0: Following is a conversation with Mr. Beast, the mastermind behind some of the most epic and popular videos ever made. This is the Alex Friedman podcast to support it. Please check out our sponsors in the description and now, dear friends, here's Mr. Beast. I'm here with Mr. Beast, the brilliant mastermind behind some of the most popular videos ever created. Uh, do you think you'll ever make a video that gets one billion views?
1: I think maybe one of the videos we've already made might get a billion views
0: which one do you think
1: probably like the the squid game video with enough time I mean it's only a year old and it's already on 300 million or some of the newer ones we've we've done have gotten like a hundred million views in a month um so those four projected over 10 years because YouTube's not going anywhere probably one of those so over time they don't
0: necessarily plateau
1: what's interesting we were literally jumping right yeah, now I love it it's good um so I I'm a firm believer that it's much easier to hypothetically get 10 million views on one video than a hundred thousand on a hundred. And part of why it's much easier in my opinion is like, if you make a really good video, it's just so evergreen and it never dies. Cause YouTube, when you open up YouTube and look at the videos, they're just serving you whatever they, they think you'll like the best, you know? And so if you just make a great video uh, and it's constantly just above every other video, you know, ev- even two years down the road, then they'll just keep serving it and never stop, you know? Which is why it's much easier to make one great video than a bunch of mediocre ones.
0: What about 1 billion subscribers? You've uh, passed, PewDiePie is the most subscribed to a YouTube channel. Uh, when do you think you get a billion?
1: Uh, let me do some math real quick. So we're on 120. So you think about this? No, I don't, honestly. I Because one thing you'll find if you want to gain subscribers, if you want to get views, if you want to make money, any almost any metric in this uh, video creation space, if you want something, it all comes back to, okay, well, then just make great videos. So instead of like focusing on all these arbitrary vanity metrics, I just kind of focus on the one thing that gets me all that. Which is make good videos. But, and that I do think we will one day hit a billion subscribers. Like, I don't have a plan on going anywhere. Even though we're only on 120 million right now on the main channel, I think like we're doing around 10 million a month now. And um, YouTube just, yeah, I just don't see it going anywhere. And I, I don't see any reason why I'd ever get burnt out or quit. So I think with enough time, yes.
0: I wanted to ask you those family friendly questions before I go to the dark questions. So now oh, are, we now, have
1: dark questions, right? No, but if you wanted to hook them, you would start off with the dark questions. That's, that, that's how you get them.
0: Okay. Well, let me ask you about the uh, a Twitter poll you posted, a ten thousand dollar death poll. You oh, tweeted, yes. "If someone offered you ten thousand dollars, but if you take it, a random person on Earth dies, would you take the ten thousand dollars?" And uh, 45% of people said yes. That's, at least at the time I checked, 850,000 people committing murder for just $8.5 billion in total. So uh, what do you learn about human nature from that?
1: That's a a good question. Um, Honestly, this is like late at night when I threw that up too. I was just like, huh, this will be a funny thing. I assumed it'd be 90% no and like 10% yes. But there there are a lot of serious people um, for you guys listening, I, I just did this random Twitter poll where I was like, "Would you take ten grand if it meant someone random in the world died?" Yeah. And a lot of the replies on the tweet were like, "Hell yeah, why not?" And I was just not expecting that. Um, and so I don't really know. I mean, I feel like your take would be better than mine.
0: Was it disturbing to you? Surprising to you?
1: A little bit, yeah. But I, you know, obviously, a lot of people were trolling. Yeah. But I actually, you know, when you read through those replies, I do think like ten percent of them were like dead serious.
0: Well. I think sometimes the trolling and the lulls reveal a thing we're too embarrassed to admit about the darker aspects of our nature. So, I don't know if you listen to Dan Carlin's hardcore history podcast. He has a episode on painful mm-hmm. which he describes throughout history how humans have been really attracted to watching the suffering of others. So um, public executions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he believes that's in all of us. That, for example, if something like a YouTube or a different platform streamed a public execution or streamed the torture of another human being, a lot of people would uh, say that's deeply unethical, but they would still tune in and watch. Yeah. And that we're, we're attracted to that drama. And especially the most extreme versions of that drama, and so I think part of the lulls reveals something that's actually true in that poll. That like
1: your answer is so much better than mine.
0: Do you think about that? Maybe even with the Squid Game, like so. I think how many how many views does the Squid Game currently have? Three hundred million, yeah, something like this. So, just imagine thought experiment: how many views that video would get? If it was like real. Yeah, Squid assuming
1: game. YouTube was like, ah, oh, we'll turn a blind eye, we won't take it down. Yeah, I mean, it I've obviously it'd probably have billions of views.
0: How do you think you'll die? And do you think it'll be during a video?
1: Probably doing something dumb, like going to space when I'm in like, older, like trying to go to Mars or, or something like that. I, I know for a fact it won't be on a video. Every video we do with safety experts and stuff like that. So it's, it's not really risk, but... um yeah, I could see myself like, you know, after a million people go to Mars or something like that, I'd probably be like, you know what? Let's go. And and something like that maybe. So
0: not in the name of a video, just no.
1: for the holiday? of Heck, no.
0: Are you open to taking risks when you shoot videos? You just went to Antarctica. I mean, like you're you're putting yourself in the line a little bit, right?
1: Of course, but, you know, we We've had that video in the works for three years, and then we consult with tons of experts. Yeah. Radar the entire path we're going to walk beforehand to see if there's crevasses. So we know there's no crevasses. We do training. We consult with experts, and we have survival guides there with us, and you know monitor the weather and everything. So it's like any variable that where we could get harmed, we just pre-plan for it. Same thing with buried alive. Like I had David Blaine spent a, a week underground. And so I consulted with him and consulted with basically anyone who ever buried themselves alive. You know, we, the coffin we used to bury me, we did so many tests. Like that coffin was buried 10 times before I was, you know, for way longer than 50 hours. It tested the airflow and everything to the point where I was safer in that coffin underground than I was above ground. Like, so we just tend to just not leave anything up to chance, you know?
0: Another strange question then. So you recorded these videos to yourself, you know, five years, 10 years from now. Have you recorded a video that's to be released once you die?
1: Well, first off, I am just glad that not every one of your questions have to do with, like, views or things like that. It's nice getting different questions. So <laughs> this, is, this is good. Um, no, seriously. little <laughs> talk. It's a little dark. No, no, but it's it's fine because a lot of people just be like, how much money do you make? You know, it's just something I just... Everything's always about money now for when people talk to me. So it's nice. Um, but for the videos I made, uh, for you guys who probably don't follow me too closely when I had 8,000 subscribers and I was a teenager, I filmed a bunch of videos and scheduled them years in the future. And I said, I film one where I was like, hi, me in a year. And the video went up a year later. And it was just like, hey, I think you'll have 100,000 subscribers. And then I did one where I was like, hi, me in five years. I was like, hey, in five years, I think you'll have a million. And then one that hasn't come out yet, but comes out in two years, is, was hi, me in 10 years. And I tried to predict 10 years later how many subs I'd have. That's what he's referring to. And yes, there there are some that are scheduled like, 20 years in the future and so if i don't die i'll just move them up and i remember because i filmed these though like seven years ago but uh it was i remember saying a line like you know if i'm dead then i'm currently just in a coffin and like whatever blah blah blah. and because the only yeah. way the video would go up is if i'm not alive and yeah. if i'm not alive then i won't be able to push back the schedule upload date so it'll go public <laughs> automatically yes and so yeah i have a couple of those uh like if i knew i was gonna die of like cancer or something and i had like three months to live. I would vlog every day. I'd film so many videos. And then I would just schedule upload a video a week for like the next five years. So, it's like <laughs> I'm still alive. And I would completely act like I'm still alive and everything. And I think something like that would be cool. I don't know why, but I've, I've fantasized. About, not fantasized, but I've dreamt about that a lot. Like, I don't know. if If I only had 30 days to live, what would I do? And for me, I would try to make like a decade's worth of content and schedule upload it so they automatically go public in the future. And so, it's just like I never died. I'm just there.
0: Yeah, it's a kind of immortality, but it's also a kind of troll on the concept of time. Yeah, That you can die in the physical space but persist in the digital space. I actually, I recorded a video like that because I had some concerns and I just thought it's also a good exercise to do. A video would like to be released if I die. And it was actually a really interesting exercise. Yeah. It's cool. Like, it shows, like, what you really care about. I guess it's like writing a will. But when you're younger, you don't think about that kind of stuff. But Exactly.
1: Mine was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm bones in a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> Yours is probably so serious.
0: No, it's fun, actually. What, what you realize is, like, there's no point to be serious at this point. It's a weird thing. I guess you've done this, but it's a weird thing to address the world when you, the physical you, is no longer there. So, like, you know this would only be released if you're no longer there. Exactly. That's a weird exercise.
1: It, you know what's funny? Of all the people listening to this, yeah. you know, we're probably the only two people that have made videos for when we die. <laughs> it's, like, such a niche thing. And the fact yeah. that we're bonding over it, it's kind of funny. I think
0: people should think about doing that. It's not just about YouTube. It's also social media. Because think about it. Like, there's going to be a last tweet and a last, I don't know, Facebook post, or a last Instagram post. And, um... Uh, yeah, it's. I feel like there's some aspect that's meditative to just even considering making a post like that. And also it's a way for your the people that love you to kind of like celebrate.
1: Do you think that would help them cope or not? Like if someone randomly watching this did film a video, you know, for if they accidentally died in some freak accident to be given to their family, do you think that would... And it was like a genuine...
0: I think it would really help. I mean, it depends because like... Like
1: how would you even intro that? Like, hey mom... If you're seeing this, you know, it means I'm probably dead. Yeah, exactly. That's how you intrate. it. (laughs) That's the opener. (laughs) Um, I just want you to know. Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I I guess you could say it in a kind of funny way, but um, and just talk about the things that that mean a lot to you. Because otherwise, you're at the risk of the last post you have is like, like I don't know, talking shit about like Donald's, McDonald's. McDonald's <laughs> exactly.
1: That's <laughs> and then you're dead. That's it. Hundred years.
0: <laughs> I don't know. This I I, I do recommend. It. It's it's um like the Stoics meditate on death every day in the same way. You kind of m- meditate on your death when you make a video like that because it's actually not just even talking to yourself. It's talking to the world. And it like for some reason at least for me they made it very concrete that there's going to be an end, and I'm like it's almost, it's over for me. If I'm making the video, it's over for me. It's just an interesting thought experiment. I recommend people um, uh, try it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> from Are you afraid of death, by the way?
1: Yes. I I. It's hard because, like, what if you just die and then you just see nothing forever, you know? Yeah, the nothingness. It just fades to blackness and you're just like that for trillions upon trillions to billion squared years and it's just it's scary, but also before you're born, you don't remember those what x amount of years either. So um, that gives me a little comfort, but no, it's definitely very scary. Something I'd rather not think about until I'm like 80. I'll, I'll deal with that problem then. I, I I don't know if I told you this, but I'm kind of hopeful that someone like Elon or one of these like freak smart people will just like be like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to figure out a way where we can slow down aging, get it where you know we can live to be two, three hundred years old, and just like set their sights on that and then just kind of save us. So it'd be really nice. Like it's it's almost absurd to think that in our lifetime, they won't figure out a way to just even slightly slow down aging where we could live to be like 120 or 130. And then that extra time, they won't figure out some way where we could live to be 200. Like obviously not immortal, but I don't, I don't see how in my lifetime, the life expectancy doesn't just expand.
0: Well, it also could be that the immortality is achieved in the digital realm. Like it could be long, long after you're gone as a Mr. Beast. Run by a Chad GPT type system. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that consumes everything I ever said, everything I ever wrote. and But I don't want that. I don't want to live. What are you smart people out there? Figure it out. I'll keep you entertained, but I need you to figure out how to keep me alive. <laughs> Give me till 200. Uh, that will make me happy.
0: Well, that's, that's funny. Who owns the identity of, of Mr. Beast once the physical body is gone? Like, are, is it illegal to create another Mr. Beast that's Chad GPT based? I don't know what the laws are around that.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, once I'm dead, I, I don't care. <laughs> wow, <Well>, but uh, uh, <laughs> well you just said you did
0: care. I mean, there could be a uh a i like many Mr. beasts that are created after you're after you're gone,
1: yeah, I mean that'd be cool to be able to like train up a model and and let them loose so my content lives on, I guess, yeah,
0: yeah, but it somehow feels like it diminishes the value you contribute, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an inauthentic, but it's also there's there's some aspect to the finiteness of the art being necessary for oh, its 100%. greatness.
1: 100%. Yeah, once the second that thing starts spamming out videos, yeah. the videos lose all meaning and it's pointless and it's a money grab.
0: If you ran YouTube for uh how long should you run it? For a year. Uh, how would you change it? How would you improve it?
1: It's hard because you know, obviously I'm biased because we're we're doing really well, but I feel like when I open up YouTube on my television, I get the videos I want to watch. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't ever open it and wonder like what are these? What are these? 10 videos on my homepage. When I click on a video, my suggestion, I don't ever wonder what these are. Like I, I, and maybe it's because I'm very adamant about like the kind of videos I watch and I try not to watch videos that I don't want to get recommended more Mm -hmm. because I just, that's how I think. But I'm very happy with how it is at the moment. I think one thing though that I just hate with a passion is the comment section on YouTube. It's just so bad. Um, But I know that's not something that's going to 10x the growth of the platform. But if you think about it, you go to Reddit to read comments and somehow like the, you know, usually the top 20 posts on, on a popular Reddit post are not spam. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever clicked on something on the front page of Reddit? And then most upvoted reply to it is like, go check out my site right here. And it's like trying to scam you out of a $1,000. Yeah, Yeah, I can't even think yeah. of one instance I've ever had that happen. So like Reddit, it's so nice to click on posts and just see what people have to say. And I almost wish like, you had that same feeling when you read the comments on a YouTube video. Instead, it's like, it's so many people just copy and pasting. So many bots that just grab the top comment for your previous video and paste it over. So the top comments on every video are the same. And the things that break through that are just scammers trying to get you to give them $1,000 for a free, uh, you know, fake ad.
0: That comment section is one of the most lively on the internet. So it'd be amazing if YouTube invested in creating an actual community, like where people could do high effort comments and be rewarded for it, like on Reddit. Yeah. Like actually write out a long That tank. would make me so happy.
1: Because like, yeah. when I upload a video... I usually go to Twitter to see feedback. Like, I I read my comments, and I'll flip through newest, but it's just, I feel like Reddit and Twitter just give me so much better filtered feedback, Mm -hmm. especially now that with Twitter Blue, because people pay $8 a month, um, I've noticed, like, any tweets I get from verified users now, they're usually not just garbage troll takes. Like, these are people paying $8 a month. Like, they're usually relatively sensible. And so... It's been pretty nice. Like after I upload a video, I just go on the verified tab on Twitter and just see what people have to say. And anyways, I live for the day that YouTube's like that.
0: Uh, what do you think about Twitter? What do you think about all the fun activity happening recently since uh, Elon Yeah, uh, bought Twitter?
1: I think he should make me CEO, like I tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I,
0: should, I should say sort of we had, we just like a couple hours ago had a conversation with Elon and... Uh, you guys sent an exchange of some excellent ideas. So yeah, yeah I, I I legitimately think, obviously you're exceptionally busy, but I legitimately think it would be awesome if you somehow participate in the future of Twitter.
1: Yeah, it would be fun.
0: Because there's so much possibility of different ideas. First in the sort of the, uh, the content, like dissemination, hosting, and all the different recommendations, like the search and discovery, all the things that YouTube does well.
1: I think the most exciting thing is he's you know willing to move fast. And so I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things that come out of it because he's just moving quick. And a lot of these more mature platforms just take years to do the simplest stuff, and they're very bureaucratic. And um, So it's going to, I mean, it'll be interesting to see which way it goes when you just kind of take a move quick, break things, whatever type approach to social media. Uh, I'm actually pretty curious to see what features he rolls out.
0: So what would be your first uh, act as Twitter CEO?
1: I can't spoil it. Okay. <laughs> I got to get hired. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what do you think about video on the platform? I mean on do, do, yeah, do you think that's an interesting or is it, it like messing with the the medium, the nature of the platform? I
1: think Twitter will always be closer to TikTok than it is to YouTube. Like I, at least in its current form. Like I don't I don't see 20-minute, 1-hour long videos or whatever, you know, even 15-minute videos being watched over there. I see it more as like the short and snappy stuff closer to TikTok.
0: But at the same time, Twitter is a really good comment section for the internet.
1: I mean, it's almost weird why, like, why doesn't Twitter allow you to embed YouTube videos? Like, why, why does, that, you should just ask Elon that. Like, I don't know if that's a YouTube thing, but when a YouTuber posts a video, why do they have to link to YouTube? Why can't they just embed it on Twitter and you just play it there? I mean, wouldn't that just solve a lot of problems?
0: Yeah, but then the two companies would have to agree to integrate each other's content. I don't know,
1: but it seems like a win-win. <laughs> I mean, well, it's more of a win for Twitter because then people don't have to leave the platform. I mean that right. that'd be the, the easiest easiest. But
0: who gets like when you watch the ads on a YouTube video that's embedded in a Twitter? Who gets the money?
1: It would still be YouTube. But at least then, right now, people just post a link and it takes you off Twitter, and it just yeah. kills your session time on Twitter.
0: That's really interesting. But the the yeah, because the Twitter whatever the the dynamics of the comments, especially once the spam bots are taken care of, Twitter just works. It's really nice. so. Reddit is a nice comment section for the internet. It's like slower pace, more deliberate like higher effort. Twitter's like this high paced, like ephemeral kind of stream, but there's the vote, the upvoting and the downvoting works much better because you can do retweeting, right? Because the social network is much stronger than it is on YouTube. Like the interconnectivity. Yeah,
1: on Reddit you're gonna get, uh, the top replies are gonna be the most refined ones, whereas Twitter, stuff floats to the top that's not super refined. But like you're saying, it's more off the cuff stream of consciousness, which a lot of people prefer because it's a little more personal.
0: How do you think Twitter compares to YouTube uh, in terms of how you see its future unroll in 2023?
1: I mean, I think YouTube's gonna be YouTube and not much is really gonna change, but it's gonna keep growing just because, you know, that's just what it does and because it's owned by Google. Um, but Twitter, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things like you you, you can't predict if, like, you know, a year from now an economy is gonna be in a recession or booming. And I think Twitter's kind of the same thing. One thing's for certain, a lot of things are going to be rolled out, but who knows, <laughs> honestly.
0: You responded to Elon saying Twitter's unlikely to be able to pay creators more money than YouTube. Um, what do you think that is?
1: Well, yeah, because I, I think the tweet I responded to is one where he was saying um, that they, uh, you know, users will jump over if Twitter can potentially pay more. Uh, than other platforms, and I was just saying, obviously, because Google has Google AdWords, and I mean that's Google's whole thing—it's putting ads on stuff. They've been doing it better than anyone else in the world for a very long time. It's very unlikely in the next few years that Twitter is going to just magically or any platform, you know, give a creator the ability to m- make higher CPMS than on YouTube. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy, like some creators. In December, you know, Q4, because the ad rates are higher because of Christmas and everything, some creators literally make like $30, $40 per 1,000 views. And that's after YouTube's cut. Like, it's almost like hard to think about Mm -hmm. like how high the RPMs get. And even then, once you pull out of finance and cars, the high CPM niches, and you move into just normal stuff, it's still just crazy. The sheer volume of creators and the fact that all of them get these multi-dollar CPMs at scale, it's pretty beautiful.
0: So, you do... I don't know what you would call them, but like integrated ads in your videos and you do it, I would say masterfully. It's like part of the video. Are you talking about brand deals? Brand deals, is that yep. what you would call that? Yep. So it's a brand deal, it's part of the video. It's still really exciting to watch and yet there's a plug for the brand.
1: In general, just brand deals, since you brought it up, uh, integrating them well. I think that's something a lot of creators don't do. Like they'll just do a brand deal out of the blue. They'll just be filming a video and then around the three minute mark, just start talking about a random company. Yeah. And- you, I feel like if you don't want viewers to click away and you want people to not get pissed off and call you to sell out, you got to find a way to integrate it into the content. And ideally use the money in the video to make it better. Like the easiest thing you do when you do a brand deal is just tell people how you're using money from the brand deal to make your content better. And if you do that, like no one cares. Now they're supporting you for it. And you go from being a sellout to like, oh, I'm doing this to make better videos for you guys. You know.
0: I don't know if you can share, but with those brands, when you have discussions with them, Are they strict about how long you need to be talking about it? Or is it more about they're leaving control to you about the artistic element of it?
1: The problem is the the ones who don't give us the artistic element, we just don't really work with anymore. Sure. Uh, Because it's just, you know, we get 100 million views of video now. And I can confidently say I know how to entertain them and convert them better than these random brands. So uh, yeah, if, if they don't give us that freedom, I just won't work with them.
0: So you have that leverage but for smaller creators that- it's a lot harder
1: yeah and they're they're gonna just say 45 seconds here's what you say take it or leave it and it's like pretty brutal because i think just in general if brands were more accommodating to let creators tell their story of the brand and talk about the brand in a way that felt a little more natural i i think it'd be a it'd be less cringe It people would be less likely to go and you know tap, tap tap skip and uh Obviously, it would convert better, but they're just so afraid, and they want this standardized thing. Say these words, and forty-five seconds, right here at this three-minute mark.
0: Yeah, I, I often think about how to resist that.
1: You just don't do them, though, right?
0: Not on YouTube, right? I do, on the audio, I do ads in the very beginning, and I say you can skip them if you want. Gotcha. Um, but <laughs> the brand loves that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like the point is they. <laughs> <laughs> so the funny thing about podcasts is different than than uh, YouTube videos. Podcast people actually do listen to ads a lot because they it's a slower paced and they like the, the creator voice, like mm-hmm. talking about the thing. Um, but in general, I just don't believe you should be talking about a thing for a minute exactly, and that's going to be effective. I want to see the data f- for that. I think what's much more effective is the way you do ads, which is like integrate into the content, like put a lot of effort into making yeah. a part of that, like doing the brand deals. And I just, it's difficult to have that conversation. It's like a very strenuous conversation you have to have with with brands. You have to have each one at a time. And I just wish there was more of a culture to say like, the quality of the ad read matters a lot more than the uh, like the silly parameters, like the timing of it, like how long it is, the placement of it, all that kind of stuff.
1: What percentage of your viewers do you think have seen one of my videos before?
0: What percentage of the viewers on YouTube, right? Yeah, of your what? viewers of the viewers on YouTube though yeah, yeah, most uh, of people... okay
1: sure or, or all of them oh, it's just God. interesting because you're you're speaking very specifically like about my brand deal process and so in my head I'm like hmm, I wonder what percentage of these people even have any idea what he's talking about
0: that's interesting I love the thinking about numbers the,
1: the whole time we we're having this conversation it's all I could think about. Like, God, a, God damn it. He's There's probably like 50% of these people have no fucking clue what he's saying. Probably. And we're about to torture him for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, probably. But that's something I can't turn off in my brain.
0: Less, I, less than 50%. Is yeah. that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that exciting to you? That, uh, that there's like 50% of people don't I've oh. not watched the Mr. Beast video. Isn't that an opportunity? To like, Yeah,
1: I guess there's an opportunity to grow. I don't know. Honestly, I was just kind of excited to hang out with you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. me too. So, I mean, today was a lot of fun. Who, who cares if there's so, mics? Yeah, 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 so it was fun. kind of like having a buddy to go along the journey as I'm just kind of eating shit and doing my normal yeah, grind. It was yeah, like kind of fun. And also, you just say really wise stuff constantly. Uh, <laughs> so honestly, no, I yeah. never even put any thought into like the demographics or what I could gain. It's just interesting because like my retention brain, when you talk about something, I'm instantly like, hmm. What value are they going to get? How many of them are going to be interested? What percentage of people do I think will lose? And I'm like running all those calculations in the background. And that whole conversation, like the anyway, it's just something I can't turn off. My like bells are like, error, error. This is bad.
0: (laughs) What are the different strategies for high retention for your videos and in general?
1: It's like, how how do you cook good food? You know what I mean? That's like the same kind of question.
0: I see. So there's so many different ways that you, so it, it boils down to, I mean, uh, do you think this, at the level of a story, or do you think like literally watching five seconds at a time, am I going to tune out here? Am I going to tune out here? Am I going to tune yeah. out
1: here? It's all of it. You need the overarching narrative, and then you also need the micro where every second you know needs to be entertaining. And you basically, what's interesting is the longer people watch something, the more likely they are to keep watching. So you don't have to try as hard in the hypothetically back half of a video as you do in the front. Like even right now, we're so deep into this where a lot of people listening are probably just going to keep listening relatively close to the end unless we just have a really boring part of this conversation because they're just they're just in it, they're, they're immersed. Um, and so a big, like to really boil it down to a simple level, you just want to get people where they're immersed in the content and then just kind of hold them there.
0: We had this discussion offline, and by the way, I should mention that this is like late at night.
1: <laughs> it is. What time uh, is it? It's at uh, nine o'clock.
0: <laughs> and I uh, I only slept one hour last night because I'm an idiot. And I flew to the wrong location.
1: I, well, here. We're like, hey, let's just book you a hotel to flight. He's like, no, I got it. We're like, you sure? We, we can just do it. We always do this. He's like, no, yeah. I got it. I got it. He's
0: going to have to rub it in.
1: Yeah, I know. And then today, come to find out, he flew... To the wrong airport, an airport with a, uh, or a city with a similar name to ours. Just same name. Yes. Same
0: name in a different state. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and the, I was like, that's why you should have let us book it. And so he's on one hour of sleep and he's literally been dying all day. Before this podcast, he downed like two things of coffee. <laughs> We've been going all day hard. Um, yeah, I've
0: been, uh, got to interact with you. I, sh- I should say that this gave me an opportunity to, I got a, a ride from a stranger and it was an incredible person. I got to interact with them, so it's like there's so many kind people around here. Just like this kind of southern energy, and then I got to go to a diner because I could, you know, there's only one hour between me arriving and having to fly out. So I went to a diner. There's a, there's a really kind waitress that called me uh, honey. So that was a beautiful moment, you know.
1: I was so confused. You you tweeted about that, mm-hmm. and like Steele's like Lex, my, my assistant it was like, uh, Lex isn't here yet, yeah. and I saw your tweet, and I was like. He's here. It yeah. feels so he like no. He's still flying. I was like, for like an hour ago, he just tweeted about a nice diner. Yeah, it, it was, I didn't it realize was you a, flew was to a the diner. <laughs> it, it was a diner in a different state. <laughs> and then you had to fly over here. That yeah. so was. And then I called you. You didn't answer. I was like, hmm. I was like, something's not adding up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like a such an idiot because um, apparently the world uh, has cities like Springfield, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like every single state has a Springfield. Oh, really? I, I think so okay, i think that's well, a, whatever there's that's a like a simpsons people. joke right that like it's uh the, the city and the simpsons is springfield and i think every single state or most of them have a springfield and the same is true for like uh georgetown i think the most pop i forget what the most popular one was but there's like a list of these people get when they run out of ideas they just keep <laughs> these using are, the same they, they they're they your achilles heel
1: <laughs>
0: Anyway, i got to i got to meet a bunch of people from um, from your team, is just an incredible human being. So, so, let me just ask on that topic: How do you hire a great team? Like, what have you learned about hiring for um, everything for for the main channel that you do, yeah. uh, for the the React the game uh, the the gaming channel to um, Mr. Beast Burger to uh, Feastables, all that.
1: The big thing is, especially in this content creation, because it's not like anything that's done on Netflix or or different uh, content medians. I, I really need people who are coachable and like really see the value in what I care about because it's a very specific way of going about things. And it's a like a thing, you, there's no one like plug and play. Like if Netflix wanted to hire someone to do a documentary, there's probably tens of thousands of people you could hire that have worked on documentaries before. But if you want to hire someone to make super viral YouTube videos, you know, like we do, there's just no one you, you can really pull from. Like sometimes I'll hire people from... Uh, game shows, right? And they have all these preconceived notions about pacing and how a video should be. And you have to spend like the first year like breaking all these habits and, you know, and they think they're better than you. Like a lot of people in traditional think they're better and they think their way is better than what we do. And so for me, it's almost easier to hire people that are, are just hard workers that are obsessed and really coachable and just train them how to like be good at content creation and production than to hire someone from like traditional which is the only way to really do it because there's not that many youtube channels that have scaled up so it's not like there's a huge talent pool of people who've worked on youtube channels uh so it's easier just to train someone than just pull them from traditional because traditional people just i don't know they have all these opinions and things and they just think our way of going about things is dumb
0: yeah so you want people who have the humility to have a beginner's mind even if they have experience and see the
1: value like actually I'll, you'll still get it. It's so crazy. like Especially some of my other friends that are scaling up through YouTube channels. There's people that will come on and you'll ask them like, what do you want to be doing in five years? And instead of saying, oh, I want to be working on this channel, they'll be like, oh, I hope to be working on movies or yeah. this or that. And they see like working on a YouTube channel as a launch pad to go into traditional. And it's like, no, like you just don't get it. This is the future. This is the end goal. Yeah. This is your career. Um, and so I'm just so tired of having those kinds of conversations. Like I feel like people really should be coming around. Are there
0: like, uh, recurring interview questions that you ask is there is there ways to get
1: yeah but the biggest thing is like where do, what do you want to be doing in 10 years and if their answer isn't you know making content on YouTube or you know if their answer is anything like movies or traditional stuff like that it's like just a hell no like it just won't even remotely work oh so you
0: really want people to believe in the vision of YouTube yeah
1: I mean ideally it's like oh working here you know what I mean
0: so it's less about the medium and more about just being on a great team that's doing epic stuff
1: yeah well and yeah the medium as well because those it's just it's hard to put into words, but there's it's just two completely different ways of going about things. You know, like our videos aren't scripted, and you know it's a lot more run and gun. And when we, if we hypothetically blow up a, a giant car or whatever, like you only have one take. You know what I mean? So you, um, and it's not scripted, and so you have to overfilm, overshoot things, overcompensate for like the dumb way of going about it. And a lot of traditional people would be like, well, just plan what you're going to say and just plan the angles. You can ha- cut the cameras in half. You can save 50 grand here. You can save, a, you know, $75,000 editing, this and that. And it's like, yeah, but that's not authentic. Like that's, you know, a bubble. It, it, you, you get it. It's, it's almost so obvious that it hurts to have to like constantly have these conversations, but it's what we live in.
0: But there's also a detail, like there's a taste. Like I've watched a bunch of videos with you and it's clear to you that you've gotten really good I don't know what the right word is, style or taste to be able to know what's good and not in terms of retention, in terms of yeah. Just stylistically, visually.
1: I don't have to think. I can just watch a video and it just it just screams in my head like yeah. this is what this is what should change based on the, you know, million videos I've watched and all these viral videos I've consumed, like this is blah blah blah, what's optimal and things like that. It's almost like your brain's like a you know, like a, a neural net. And like if you consume enough viral videos and enough good content that you just kind of start to like train your brain to like see it and see these patterns that happen in all these viral videos. And so that anytime I watch a video or a movie or anything, I just can't stop thinking about what is optimal. And so it's like, it gives me a headache sometimes when I watch something too slow or I don't think is optimal. Obviously, my taste isn't the end all be all. Um, But that's something that kind of torments me, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, you can't enjoy a slow-moving movie. No, I can't.
1: And and that's not to say there is- Your attention
0: on The Godfather is horrible. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, exactly. I've tried to watch that movie like three times. But that's not to say slow movies are bad. Like, there's an audience for it. It's just obviously not what I've trained my brain to like. And, And social media and YouTube right now, like, that's just not the meta.
0: And in general, like you said, in neural network, you're training your brain in part on actual data. Right, So you're actually data-driven, so you're looking at, like, in terms of thumbnails and titles and different aspects of the the first five, ten seconds, and then throughout the video, the retention, all that, you're looking at all of that uh, for your own videos to understand how to do it better. So that's where the neural network is training.
1: Yeah. Basically, there are ways you can kind of see, like, the most viewed videos on YouTube every day and stuff like that, and I just kind of consume those every single day, and I've been doing that for way too many years. And you just start to notice patterns. Like, the thumbnails on the most few videos or videos that go super viral tend to be clear, tend to not have much clutter, tend to be pretty simple. Titles tend to be less than 50 characters. Intros tend to be this. Stories tend to be this. And you just kind of like, after you see those thousands and then tens of thousands of time, it just starts to click in your head. Like, this is what it looks like, you know?
0: So how are you able to transfer that taste that you've developed to the team? So for like, because you said like broad things, but I'm sure there's a million detailed things. Like, what Zoom to use on the face to use in the thumbnail, right? Like,
1: the answer is whatever makes the best video. Because the problem is, the more, which I've, I have so many friends who are like this, they'll make like checklists for their editors. They'll yeah. make, you know, uh, this beat and this beat. And you need to have like a three part arc and then this. But the the problem is, that's how you, the, the more constraints you put on the team, the more repetitive and less innovation you get. And the more, yeah. like, you know, after 10 videos, people are going to be like, all right, I've already seen this. So, To me, and I'm 24, and you know, I'm probably my mindset will change over the next 10 years. I just haven't been in this industry too long. But the only way to like really make innovative content and keep things fresh is to not put constraints on, or put as little as possible. And so that's why I'm very hesitant on all that stuff because the more I say, the more they're gonna be like, oh, then that's what we do. And then you know, I'll say one time like, oh, you know, ideally there's a cut every three seconds, and then next thing you know, every video there's a cut every three seconds or whatever. So it's it's hard because. I try to give uh, as little train, not training, but as little uh, facts or as possible, and and more just make suggestions. If that makes any sense, you mean publicly or to your team? To my team, yeah.
0: What? What's, so you talked about sort of uh, teaching your voice or your style, whatever we want to call it, to other people on the team, so they can be kind of mm-hmm. a Mr. Beast replacement. So, what's the process of teaching that? So you don't want to.
1: No, I got you. So you're, you're more talking about like uh, what I would call almost like cloning, right? Yeah. Like like Tyler and other yes. people like that. Yeah. So what, when we were hanging out today, I was showing him how we have multiple people. come. It's uh, it's almost like talking to the camera. It's a habit. Yeah, you turns um, slowly to the camera. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, it is a habit. Is it weird to you to not be
0: looking at the camera?
1: This whole interview, I constantly have been turning towards the camera. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to him. Yes. It's it's a habit. Because yeah. uh, my whole life, I've just been talking to a camera.
0: Who are you thinking about when you're looking at the camera? Do you like imagine somebody?
1: I'm fully thinking about the person just sitting, watching it. Watching. And I almost, it's, it's weird on when I'm looking at the camera, I don't see a camera. I'm like in a haze picturing what the viewer is seeing when they watch it. Yeah. If that makes sense. And that's where I'll be saying things and I'll, uh, or doing something. And then like when I'm watching, I'm like, that's not what I want. And then yeah. I'll freeze up. It's very weird when I'm filming. And if, for people who haven't worked with me too much, they'll think like, I don't know. It's very weird. Like the, how I go about it because I'll just be doing whatever like lighting a firework alright this is a thousand dollar firework and I'll go to light it. Like, and I'll like freeze because in my head I'm like this I don't know I don't like how that flowed or how that shot looked because mm-hmm. I it's weird I can perfectly picture what I'm filming by just looking at the camera and then putting myself through the lens of the camera while f- making content it, I can do it at the same time so
0: you're like real time editing
1: in my the head. video. yeah yeah that's something that didn't at the start come natural to me but in the last probably like five years it, it's happened and so I would say it's one of my greatest strengths, but I don't know how I developed it. But anytime I'm filming anything, like it's almost like the like right side of my brain, I just can just look at it and I see exactly what I'm filming and I can just picture it.
0: Well, it's probably do, recording the video, being the talent for the video and then watching the editing and like analyzing it carefully and do that over and over yeah, and, you over, do and that over and over. you do that 10,000
1: times, yeah. You do
0: the editing more than the being in front of the camera. So like you you start to see yourself from that third person perspective. Exactly. And maybe that actually helps with the nerves of it, too. Like, you see it as creating a video versus performing,
1: uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. You know, I, it's weird. I've never been nervous talking to a camera. It's it's harder for me to talk to a person than it is yeah. to talk to a camera, <laughs> which I feel like a lot of people say that, though, that are, whatever, make content, right? Interesting. So I've yeah, I I heard know. that so many times. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm just awkward and dumb. Maybe they're practiced.
0: I To me, it's... I mean, both are terrifying, but being in front of the camera by yourself is most... so much easier. Really?
1: Yeah, it's so much easier. I prefer it a million times over. But yeah. that's my whole life, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. just that's why it's interesting. Like you've spent more of your time talking to people. Yeah, it comes natural. And I talk to a piece of plastic.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess you're talking to a person too. There's just in, on the other side of the camera.
1: Yeah, there's just a yeah. pixel on a screen.
0: <laughs> so so cloning. How do you how do you achieve? The oh
1: yeah, that's right. This whole rabbit trail. So. I was showing him that I have a lot of people in the company who are able to think like me and uh, basically make decisions like I would make if I was, like, if you were asked, hey, in this video, should we climb a mountain or should we dig a hole, right? And like, you know, they would pick the same answer I'd pick 90 plus percent of the times. And so like one example is Tyler, who I was showing you, when he was pitching some content. And like you could see like this, he was on point. And uh, basically for just, four or five years. We just spent an absurd amount of time together and worked on every single video together and we worked uh, side by side. And same thing with uh, my CEO, James. He literally lived with me for a couple of years. I'm a big fan of just like finding people who are super obsessed and all in and A players that you know they really just want to be great and they're just dumping everything I have in them.
0: And like you were saying, because I'd love to find that uh, and develop that, you're saying you're basically for a long time, just said everything you were thinking to them.
1: Exactly. Like uh, James, the the guy who's basically my right handman right now, um, for two years, he lived with me. And we probably talked on average over those two years, seven hours a day. I mean, anytime I had a phone call, I'd throw it on speaker and I'd let him listen. Anything I was reading, any content I was consuming, like really just training his brain to think like me. So that way um, he could just do things without my input, without me having to constantly watch over him or give him advice. And, and that's where we've gotten like, so for the first six months, he didn't do anything. He just studied me and studied everything I cared about and how I spoke and blah, blah. And then the next six months he started taking on some responsibilities and now he can just run the company and, you know, I, I don't ever really have to check in on him. Like I, most of the decisions he makes are exactly what I would do. Um, and so I don't, I call that cloning. I don't know what other people would, but it's just like finding people that are really obsessed and they just kind of really want it and just being like giving them an avenue to like get it, if that makes any sense.
0: Another way to see it is you're converging towards a common vision and that makes like brainstorming much more productive.
1: Yeah. It just makes it where I don't have to be so involved in everything because I just have these people I know will think like I will. Uh, at least relatively close to it. So I can kind of almost be in multiple places at once per se. And so these things that, you know, I still approve every idea we film and, you know, everything before we film and all the creative, I approve it, but I don't have to like be in the weeds and nuances and do all this minor stuff. I can just let them handle it. I can just do the more macro things.
0: I got a chance to sit in to a lengthy brainstorming session with Tyler and others. Yeah. That was really cool. Can you Talk about the process of that of uh, people pitching ideas and you pitching alternatives or shutting down ideas and just going like yeah. plowing through ideas. Very. Quickly.
1: I mean, you kind of just li- described exactly what we did. Yeah.
0: I mean, but the ideas are really, uh, really good. It's just tossing out like different categories of ideas and then also fine tuning them to see like how yeah. do I change like thinking about the
1: titles and the thumbnails. I work so well off of inspiration. It's like, that's uh something, like, give give me any word. I don't know. Make space. space. Yeah, like, I went to space. You know, what happens if you blow up a nuke in space? Or I went to the moon, I went to Mars, right? Because you said that one word, it was able to inspire me to come up with four ideas. And so, that's just, it's, for me, if you, the way to get 100 million views on videos, you need something original, creative, something people really need to see, yeah. ideally never been done before, all these, like, things. And so, you need, like, If you want to consistently go super viral, you need just a constant stream of ideas. And the only way I've really found that I can consistently come up with 100 million view videos is to intake inspiration and then see what my brain outputs. And so that's kind of at its core foundation, what I'm doing there. It's just like intaking a lot of random inspiration to see what spawns in my mind so I can output it.
0: But the neural network of your brain is generating the video, the title, the thumbnail, all like jointly. Exactly,
1: and that only comes because... I spent 10 years of my life just obsessively studying all that stuff.
0: Because you, I mean, it seems like you would literally potentially shut down a video just because you can't come up with a good title. Yeah, 100 thumbnail.
1: Or a thumbnail. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened to 70% of those in that pitch session. I was just like, oh, what was one of them? Genius versus 100 people or...
0: Yeah, like maybe average intelligence versus genius or something yeah. like that. Or,
1: yeah, I was like, what the heck is the thumbnail? Even if the title was good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many, but yeah, if people don't click, they don't watch.
0: That's so interesting, but you developed over time the ability to kind of give it what 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 makes for a good title? Short?
1: Not just short. It's also I mean if someone reads it, are they like do they have to watch it? Is it just so intrinsically interesting that it's just going to fuck with them if yeah. they don't click on it, you know what I mean?
0: So it doesn't have to be short, but it has to be like you almost want to have a retention to word by word reading.
1: Ideally, it's a title also that, um, you know, because the titles don't live in a vacuum, right? So it has to lead into the content. So ideally, the title represents content that you would wanna watch for 20 minutes. So if it's a 20 minute video and the title is I Stepped on a Bug, it's not gonna, because it's all of it combined, the, the click through rate's gonna be much lower. And then if it was like a five second video, people might click it. So you gotta like even nuances of the length of the video based against the title will affect whether people want to click it. Cause sometimes they just all add up. I mean, it's that yes, ideally you want it below 50 characters because above 50 characters on certain devices, you run the chance of it going dot, dot, dot. So like I took a, a light poll and I saw how many dollar bills I could stack on top. And they would just go dot, dot, dot. Cause it's yeah. too long and yeah. it can't finish it. And that's the worst thing because then people don't even know what they're clicking on. And so it's going to do even worse. Um, Short, simple, ideally, and just so freaking interesting. They have to click. And it is a good segue into the content, and it represents the length of the content.
0: And there's probably stuff you, it's hard to conver- convert into words for you, like, I stepped on a bug versus stepping on a bug versus Mr. B stepped on a bug yeah. versus well, I mean,
1: that, that, <laughs> bug-stepping <laughs> video. You that up. So it's like, yes, the more extreme the opinion, typically, the higher the click-through rate. If you can, like... uh Pay it off in the content, then it just supercharges it. So like,
0: oh, so you have a kind of estimate of the extreme. Yeah, like uh, the
1: this, this water, right? If you're like, Fiji water sucks. Yeah, that would do fine. But if you said Fiji water is the worst water bottle, or the worst water I've ever drank in my life, yeah, way more extreme opinion would do way better.
0: But you have to deliver.
1: Yeah, but then you have to deliver because the more extreme you are, the more extreme you have to be in the video.
0: Yeah. That's almost inspiration for you to step up. (laughs) Yeah, but you
1: can you can be more extreme in a positive way. A lot of people. It's easier though. Positive uh, negative clickbait is much easier than positive clickbait. It just is. It's so much easier to get negative clicks, and so a lot of people are just, in my opinion, you know, a little bit lazier, and they just take the route like, oh, well, this one gets the same amount of clicks, Mm -hmm. and it's easier, less effort.
0: The positive one is doing a large number of numbers of something. Like I, I spent this number of hours doing this. Or
1: whatever, if you just wanted to help people or, right? It's just harder to get 10 million views on a video helping people than it is to get 10 million views on a video tearing down a celebrity, you know what I mean? Or whatever negative video you want to insert there.
0: Well, that said, most of your videos are pretty positive. Yes. So what's...
1: But not a lot of people do those kinds of videos because they're hard. Yeah, they're hard. Yeah. Uh,
0: some of that is giving away money, right? Yeah. Um, What's the secret to that? What's... How do you do do that right? Yeah
1: like give, give away money or
0: in a video that made it to make it compelling um is it so there's a number that is better than another number right
1: the higher number is always better than the is lower it? number okay. yeah for the most part and you know it's interesting like some videos will give away a million dollars some videos will give away half a million there's not really i guess so i'm retracting what i just said i was more joking with that but there's no difference whether i put 500k or a million there's probably not even really a difference between 100k or a million i haven't really looked into it like some of our most videos are not us giving away a million dollars, and sometimes the million dollar videos just don't do as well as the other ones. So, there there is a certain point where a dollar amount is just a large dollar amount to an average human, and so I think that point is 100k. Like anything above 100k, the average human is just like that's a lot of money. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't 100k and a million like doesn't really move the needle. If that makes sense, which that's a very nuanced piece of information that applies to very few people, but. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I think it applies. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Human, <laughs> our relationship with money is fascinating. Like, yes. why is it so exciting to get, I mean, I, you know, the times I've found like 20 bucks on the ground are like incredible. Really? I don't know why, right? Why? <laughs> really? Why are you so happy? <laughs> like, what exactly is so joyful about that? I mean, it depends where you are in, in life, what the situation is. Yeah, I don't know. There's also a gamified aspect to it. It's exciting.
1: Yeah, it's no, I get it. Like, why people want to see people win money. It's just interesting that past 100 grand, it's, it doesn't really seem to make a difference. Like, it's the same, basically.
0: So you found that to be true with all the money you've given away? That I that... uh, just think
1: click-through rate. Like, obviously, oh, in terms of someone receiving it, yeah, a yeah. million dollars changes their life drastically more. Like, that's the difference. Like, oh, you, if you wanted to, you could really quit your job. As opposed to 100K is like, not really.
0: You probably do like a, a scientific study, like a formula, giving away money to click-through rate yeah there could be some kind of diminishing I got it. return it
1: definitely the the returns level off dramatically after hundred k that's basically 100K. the premise what about ten thousand uh no there's ten that's a hundred <laughs> thousand it's funny' cause this is such a small niche thing, but yeah, a hundred thousand does it from what I see in our videos get more clicks than ten thousand. but the difference between a hundred thousand and a million is just so little. i just i think big number big number to a lot of people past that point,
0: yeah so for a hundred thousand you can. Like, given average salary, you can probably live for a year, given given what the average salary is in America. So that's like a big, that feels... Yeah, I
1: think it's also just more when they read the title. It's just like, it's a lot of zeros. It's a lot of fuckloads of zeros. Okay, click. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, that's fascinating. So on the thumbnail side, again, that's going to be much harder to say, probably. Um, But, you know, offline, you know, I got a chance to look at a bunch of thumbnails. And it's fascinating which ones do well and which ones don't. Is there something you could say about what are the elements of a thumbnail that work well? Yeah. Or is, is this also deeply instinctual? Well, shopping? that's where,
1: yeah, it's the same thing. Like, how do you cook good food? But um, I, it, it's easier if you pull up a thumbnail and I could be like, that's why that's good. That's why that's bad. That's uh, Like, an example would be like one of my friends, I was I, he just uploaded a video recently. And I called him. I was like, what is this? Because he's a very, very smart guy. And in the thumbnail, he's <laughs> he's getting chased by cops. But the cops were wearing yellow vests. So, they didn't look at cops. So I was like, whoa why are the cops in your thumbnail wearing yellow vests? It's like, that makes it so much more boring. Yeah. And he was like carrying a, a flag, but the pole and the color of the flag were the same color. So it's was like, it's a lot harder to see the flag. I was like, also you're wearing like a shirt with like five different colors. Like, yeah. so it's like, it's hard to tell what even what your outline is. And then in the background, there are cars. And I was like, well, if you have cops chasing you, why not make the cars cop cars? And, you know, and it's like, cause in my head, I'm like, dang, if you just did those like four or five things, the video Probably would have got like seven X the views.
0: How much iteration? Because I also got a chance to see the number of iterations you do on a on a, just right a <laughs> thumbnail.
1: It's a problem now. That, it's I mean, an addiction. Is it? So you yeah.
0: kinda Because a lot of the versions were really
1: good. Yeah.
0: How do you know what to like? I love stop? how
1: you when we pulled up that uh the burger one and we were flipping through them, you're like, that's really good. I was like, Oh, that's version that's, like one of yeah. like a thousand.
0: <laughs> but even the sketch, the idea was good. Like already even the original idea is strong. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so one of our coming up videos, we made the world's largest plant-based burger, and the thumbnail we were thinking is like me standing beside the burger because it's six feet tall. That's that's what he's talking about. So like, just picture a giant six-foot-tall burger, super wide, thousands of pounds, and then I'm beside it, and then it's like eating the world's largest burger. Like you, that's just something you have to click. Like so, you were saying like, how would you describe a good thumbnail like that? You know what I mean? Like,
0: but I think you said the one I noticed first that was good where you were very small in it. Relative yeah. to the, and you didn't like that one. I think. I
1: needed to come forward a little bit, and also, <laughs> I, the photo we took was uh, just my upper body. Yeah. So they photo manipulated, and created my legs, in Photoshop, <laughs> and that's why I said I didn't like it because my right leg was a little like off. <laughs> it was like bent the wrong way. Those legs in Photoshop.
0: Well, I mean, does the physics of the thumbnail have to even make sense? I mean, you can just like exaggerate the head size and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, things don't have to be relative. Yeah, you can you have a car in the background and be three times the size because yeah every one of my thumbnails my face is in the you know left side very big so brand recognition so just people know oh especially because now that a lot of people copy our videos it's just nice to like you know everyone else might make thumbnails like this but this is mine and obviously we usually over deliver and do bigger stuff
0: would you recommend to other creators that want to that want to make it big to and they see mr beast and they look up to you to copy some elements of you or to really try to be unique unique
1: 100 percent unique you're not the next Mr. Beast, quote-unquote, as yeah. we were saying that, yeah. third person, but whatever, is not going to do what I'm doing better. They're going to just invent their own lane. Like, you're just not going to do what I do better than me. You know, I have so many... I literally have the best people in the world working here, and yeah. I, I reinvest everything I make, even to this day. You know what I mean? Like, it's absurd the amount of money I spend on content. And I don't care. I'll just stop sleeping, and I'll just yeah. film every other day. Like, you're just not going to beat me at my own game, and that's fine. You shouldn't. Like... I didn't get where I am by just beating someone else at their own game. I just found my own lane and innovated and adapted. And so, yeah, there's a lot of people that do copy me, and it's fine, whatever, do it. But just know you're not going to get to where I am doing that. Um, and so, I'd advise you don't.
0: You give away a lot of the secrets, basically everything, yeah, about how you operate. Is there? A...
1: I don't hold anything back. Go yeah. for it. You know.
0: How do you think about that? Because that's also that's pretty rare.
1: I think, and this is a definitely not a. Most people, in my stance, I don't think would take this, uh, or my position would take this stance. But I see every other YouTuber or so person on social media, even because we're also focused super heavily on YouTube. But last year, we were also the most followed TikTok creator in the world mm-hmm. as well. Last year, we were most subscribed to YouTube channel in the world and the most followed TikTok account in the world. Um, but uh, in general, I just see everyone else as uh, collaborators, not competitors. I, I don't think giving advice and helping other creators do well in any way harms me and i think it only brings more value to my life.
0: How was it jumping on TikTok and trying to understand that platform from scratch? Yeah. So f- from being a successful YouTuber to understand a, a totally different algorithm, fundamentally yeah. different algorithm. What it's was that it's,
1: like? it's interesting. Well, not even just the algorithm, just the content. Like i'm going from basically 15-minute short films to one sub 1 minute vertical content. It's a whole different just ballpark. Um and so the first a little while I was doing TikTok, it was just kind of figuring out how what what does Mr. Beast look like in this short form content. But recently, we've really started to catch our stride and come up with some original concepts and figure out how to innovate over there just like we did on YouTube. Because I don't want it, I didn't want it to just be shitty YouTube videos, you know? And so, like an example is um, we played The Rock for 100K and Rock, Paper, Scissors and the loser had to donate 100K to charity. We did, um, we we went to random people on a campus and we, we offered them So, I said, I'll give you $100 if you fly to Paris and give me a baguette. And then they said no. And I was like, I'll give you $300 if you fly to Paris and give me a baguette. And I was expecting this person to say no. And it go up to like 10 grand. And he's like, yes. And so, he flew to Paris, got a baguette, and brought it back and gave it to me. And that, across everything, got like 450 million views. and Because it's just really cool just to see this random guy get on a plane, spend a day in Paris, and we cut it up real nicely and bring it back. And so we're starting to find just tons of original content over there.
0: But it seems like an epic video to make for one minute.
1: Exactly. No one on short form is doing it. That's the thing. It's like, it's just so funny because like TikTok's been big for a while now, years. And then, um, you know, as as we started to really figure out things on the YouTube channel and get it cranking where I have some free time, we we set our sights on TikTok and like, okay, what what are people not doing? How do we make it better, put in more effort, make it good? And we did the same thing we did at YouTube, just different over on TikTok and it worked. And yeah. now we're the fastest growing or most followed TikTok account in 2022. And it's just funny that no one else did that.
0: And you're not afraid to do epic stuff, which I, also yeah. during the brainstorming, some, some of the ideas you're like, that's better as a short. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, can you remember one? Cause I remember I said that a bunch, but I can't think of one.
0: All I remember is that there were like epic videos. Like, really? You're going to do that for a one-minute video? Yeah. That's crazy. So, like, are you uh, posting similar content to a YouTube short as a TikTok?
1: Yeah, those would just double up. It's just hard. You know, what's actually pretty fascinating, and people who do social media listening to this will probably find this pretty interesting, is picture, like, the content creation meta three years ago versus now, where you can make sub-one-minute vertical content, and it go viral on TikTok, it go viral on YouTube shorts, it goes viral on Instagram reels, it goes viral on Facebook, it goes viral. Reddit, you know, you swipe through vertical content now, and Twitter when you click on a video and you flip through it. Mm -hmm. So, this is actually very weird. This is the first time in the history of. I guess, Western social media, that one form of content could actually go super viral on every single platform. It's never been like that before. So they're
0: going viral individually. They're not like interbreeding or whatever.
1: I can post something on TikTok that'll get 100 million views and then post it on shorts and it'll get 200 million views and then post it on Instagram and it'll get 50 million views. And then, you know, I haven't yet, but you know you can then turn around and tweet it and it get yeah. tens of millions of views and you can post it on Reddit and it get tens of millions of views and and Facebook can get tens of millions of views. And that, yeah. that just wasn't a thing. Three years ago, Twitter didn't have because a lot of you probably don't even know this, but when you tap on a video now and you swipe down, it just turns into TikTok. That wasn't a thing even a year ago. Reddit, that wasn't a thing a year ago. Probably two years ago, that wasn't a thing on Instagram. Three years ago, that wasn't a thing on YouTube, right, with YouTube Shorts. So, this is all new. And uh, I don't, it's weird. I haven't heard a single person talk about it. But this is the first time where content can actually go viral on every single platform. And you don't have to Write or film a video for Facebook. Film a 12-minute video for YouTube. Film a sub 60-second video for TikTok. Write a tweet for Twitter and post this on Reddit. You can just do the same thing on every platform.
0: And the fact that your content has gone viral on multiple platforms regularly means that virality is not accidental. It's, or s- sometimes it can be, of course, but it's it's just not. it can be engineered.
1: It's, yeah, so many people say it's luck, and they're like, "You're just lucky," or this or that, but. What what do we have to probably like a thousand videos over ten million views like we don't ever have a dud like you can call it luck but I think it can be trained I, I I counsel YouTubers all the time and and show them how to go from getting a couple million views a month to 10 million views a month very easily and from even certain ones like just one of my friends like he was just really struggling and so I just started showing him basically everything I know and just doing like once every week sometimes once every two weeks calls. And he went from $10,000 a month on YouTube to over 400000 just oh. doing these little counseling calls. And so, I mean, people can make excuses all they want and say it's just luck or say, you know, um, well, anyways, I don't even want to quote all the other stuff. But it's just, it is. It is a teachable skill. It's a learnable skill. You can study your way to consistently make viral videos, no matter how small your channel is. Even if you have zero subscribers, you could if if you actually studied hard enough. And like, basically, if you knew what I knew and some of these... So I don't sound so arrogant. Also, like some of these other friends I have that I'd say are the smartest people in the world when it comes to content creation online. If you had the knowledge that was in our heads, you could do it very easily. I I see people do it all the time. Um, And what's even more interesting is I go on podcasts and I say everything I know. And these people are also very open. Some of them I know. It's all out there. And a lot of people, instead of just studying that and trying to absorb and apply it in their own way, they're just like, no, it's just luck, you know?
0: So... You do lay it all out there, but I got to push back to one interesting thing. I I think a crucial component of your success is the idea stage, the idea generation, the brainstorming I heard today. But getting really good at generating ideas. So it's not it's not just the uh, the selection of the thumbnail and the title that creative process. It's also just the 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 engine of generating really good ideas. Of course, and getting that. I mean, I I would say that. Is probably the thing they need to be trained the most for most creators right that they're they just don't put enough ideas on paper
1: yes but also a lot of creators also just don't you know which I didn't either for the longest time just didn't don't make good enough content you know content that's worthy of getting 10 million views
0: in the idea or the execution of the idea
1: both I mean like think about how many people just make videos they film in under 20 minutes and they don't really put any effort into it and like you know it's like my first 500 videos didn't deserve to get a million views. Like, there's a reason they did. not They are terrible, you know? What I mean? But at the time, I thought they did, right? And I'm in the mindset of a lot of small YouTubers where I thought those videos deserved a million views and I thought the algorithm hated me. But I watch them back now and I can tell you exactly why. The videos were just fucking horrible, you know what I mean?
0: Well, so what was the breakthrough for you to start realizing is to start having a self-awareness, you know, about these videos aren't good enough. You're probably still going through that. You're probably still growing to see. like, Yeah.
1: Every six months, you should look back and hate your videos or at least see things you could improve and be like, oh, I could have done this better, that better. If not, then you're not learning quick enough, in my opinion, at least.
0: Where's the source of that learning even for you now? It's,
1: uh, just look at I mean, metrics. I just got back from a, ma- no, I mean, I just got back from a mastermind where I just got like, you know, 10 of the smartest people I knew and we just locked ourselves in a cabin and taught each other stuff. Um, Constantly every day, not every day now, probably every other day, I go on a walk and I just call random people, I'll just say, yeah. teach me something and uh I mean, it's just uh you just have to have a never ending thirst for learning, like that's very imperative, especially if you want like if you want to get on top and then stay on top, the only way to do it is just to constantly be learning, or someone who is learning is just gonna you know have a leg up on you in the knowledge game
0: and what kind of stuff are you 'cause you, you you've talked about offline that you just love learning of all kinds, it doesn't matter, but yeah. In terms of videos, are you studying videos? Are you studying?
1: Recently, not as much. I'm more, because to get to the videos I want, I have to build this business and scale up and hire. So more of my recent time has been, like my teenage years were spent studying virality and studying content creation. Now I'm studying how to build a content company so I can actually produce the crazy ideas I want to produce, if that makes any sense.
0: So yeah, on that, the business side, uh, we talked about hiring. Do you have trouble firing people?
1: No, I'm pretty sure almost every person yeah, actually, every person I've ever fired, we just give them severance. And I like to see it more as it's no ill will. Like if if mm-hmm. if there's if, like if I fired you, if mm-hmm. there's some other job you want me to help you get, I'll DM them on Twitter. Like, you know, if you want to go work for, I don't know, insert whatever, MTV, yeah. give me someone to DM. I'll DM them. Like, you know, I, I try to make it more like a transition and, and do whatever we can to make it as easy as
0: possible. And if something was just not working for you, because you, you want people, like you said, super passionate.
1: Because at the end of the day, if you hold someone that – you uh, on to someone that you don't see being here in 10 years, you're just doing them a disservice. You're just giving them more ingrained, more enrooted in where you're, where they are. Um, and the sooner you do it and help them move on to their like new life, the better.
0: Given all the wisdom you have now, if you were to give advice to somebody or if you were to start over again, uh, you, had, you had no money, what would be the first 10 videos you tried to, uh, to make uh, oh. on a new channel? I guess that's advice for a new person. Huh. And nobody knows you.
1: Yeah, and nobody knows me. Yeah, like, hypothetically, I have a mask on.
0: And you also, I guess, don't have the wisdom.
1: Well, if I don't have what I have in my head, then I would say just fail. Like, just a lot of people get analysis paralysis, and they'll just sit there, and they'll plan their first video for three months. And yeah. I, I'm any of you listening, if, if you, especially if you have zero videos on your channel, your first video is not going to get views, period. It's not. Your first 10 are not going to get views. I can very confidently say that. So stop sitting there and thinking for months yeah. and months on end and just get to work and start uploading. Like, all you need to do, this, this applies to people who have not uploaded videos but have dreams of being a YouTuber, is make 100 videos and improve something every time. Do that. And then on your 101st video, we'll start talking. Like, maybe you can get some views. But, you know, your first 100 are going to stop. There are very freak cases like Liza Koshy or Emma Chamberlain who have really good personalities and it doesn't take them so as many videos. And it's just like, People who are seven foot five and making it in the NBA. Like, yes, there are free cases you can find, but for the average person like us, you know, who don't have these exceptional personalities and, you know, backgrounds in filmmaking, just make a hundred videos, improve something each time, and then talk to me on your hundred and first video.
0: Well, the improve something each time is the tricky one. How do you improve something each time?
1: The second one, just I don't know, put more effort into the script. The third one, try to learn a new editing trick. The fourth one, try to figure out a way that you can have better inflections in your voice. The fifth one, try to you know study a new thumbnail tip and implement it. The sixth one, try to figure out a new title. There's yeah. infinite ways. That's the beauty of content creation online. There's literally infinite ways from the coloring to the frame rate, to the editing, to the filming, to the production, to the jokes, to the pacing, to every little thing can be improved and they can never not be improved. There's no, There's literally no such thing as a perfect video.
0: So if you knew everything you know now, But no money.
1: Step one would I just brainstorm, like, okay, I don't have money. What are some viral things? Like, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is something as simple as when I count to 100,000, which is what I did do when I I was poor. Um, And like that worked. But like, what's something like that I could do that would be even more attention grabbing? Yeah, you
0: were, as part of the brainstorm, you would throw out a lot of ideas and people throw out a bunch of ideas. And one of the questions is, is this even doable? Right. Yeah.
1: First off, come up with ideas you think would do well, and then ask yourself later if they're doable. Yeah, because there's there's different ways you can accomplish something.
0: Don't be cynical about the doability of stuff.
1: Yeah, because there really are so many different ways you can accomplish a goal. Like um, when we give away an island, like we gave our hundred million subscriber an island. Yeah, you know, you can't find private islands that you know don't look like shit for less than ten million dollars. So this isn't doable, right? All right, the idea doesn't exist. Not doable. X it off. But then, you know, you dig d- into it and you, you know, find different alternatives and you find, okay, well, what if we just buy a $2 million island that sucks and then spend a million dollars, you know, importing some sand. Let's build a beach. Let's import 300 trees. Let's build a little bit of canal. Let's cut some paths. Boom. Now it's a really nice island, but it's actually affordable because we don't have $10 million to spend on video, but we can afford to spend three and a half and lose whatever a million dollars on that video. So like, that's an example of like, yeah, if you just went off the gut test, you'd be like, this isn't doable. You know, every island's $10 million. We're, we're screwed. Like, if we go cheaper, it's just a terrible island. No. And so, if you, like, there are so many different ways you can achieve what you want. you really got to push through notes, which not a lot of people do. You have to have, like, a more of a dominant personality and just a willingness to, um, when people tell you it's not possible, just actually go through all the variables and eliminate them all yourself.
0: Have a stubbornness. And uh, resilience
1: to failure, maybe for what we do and creators online, it's very imperative that you have that a no isn't a no to you. Like you really have to like think and um, and just like we we take a personality test and like just having a, a dominant personality is a better indicator that when someone tells you, oh, there's no way you're going to build a brick wall for under a hundred grand, you know, you'll be like, okay, and then still go check the next <laughs> ten vendors and yeah. you know figure it out.
0: Yeah, uh, what advice would you give to an already established channel like with one, two, three, four million subscribers mm-hmm. how to like 10X it, like increase it? Um, without losing maybe- Yeah,
1: that's where it's very specific, like channel by channel. You can't give general advice. Okay. Yeah, because if I do, millions of creators are going to see this and then they're going to do it and I'm going to fuck them over. You know? Oh, I,
0: mean? I see, I see. So let's say I'd like two million subscribers on this podcast. Yeah. Like how would you- 10x that without sacrificing what it is
1: 10x your stuff does it
0: matter so we you've talked about what success yeah I, it, I'm, it's I'm, different I'm,
1: for everyone like is 10xing your definition of success no well then it's gonna be, right off the bat it's hard because if you don't give a shit about 10xing it's even harder <laughs> to 10x uh he does this because he likes helping people that's one thing i've found throughout this day every time i talk data it's so funny with him because it's like you know you could do this to get more views and he'll just be like blank I'll see like, that doesn't register anything. Yeah. He just like doesn't care, which is, it's really cool. I'm really
0: nervous about that. I'm really nervous about the numbers affecting, because it's so fun. Uh, yeah. It's so fun to focus on the numbers and I'm 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 really worried about that. But at the same time, you should be cognizant of that because you've created not just some of the most watched videos, but some of the most amazing videos ever. So it's th- there's a strong correlation there. It's not like you're selling your soul to make a highly viewed yeah. video. It's actually, if you look at the metrics... It helps you understand what is compelling and not, and so I feel like I am. Uh, I, f- I feel like there's some value to investigate what work when people tune on and when not yeah. to be da- more data driven, even on podcasts. But I'm really afraid of but that. On the
1: flip side, I think part of the appeal is that you don't care about that kind of stuff.
0: But there, there could be stuff that doesn't have to do anything with that, and it has to do with stylistic choices of lighting and cameras, or maybe with. Uh, um For example, topics. Yeah, you know, like uh, even what
1: you've asked me here is like different than what most people ask me.
0: Yeah, so it could be. The, I mean, and and it'd be nice to understand that. But yeah, again, I'm worried about it polluting the creative process. At the end process, of the day, it's,
1: it's this is a true case of it's your own intuition. Like yeah, you know yeah. your viewers better than anyone else. What it's no, whatever.
0: See, I'd like to push back on that. I really don't.
1: You do. I who don't. Else? Name one person who knows your viewers better than you. Uh,
0: uh, somebody that looks at numbers of podcasts?
1: No, you know your viewers. You know you're the only. How many episodes have you done?
0: Uh, three hundred and fifty, exactly. But I'm not paying you're,
1: attention. No, you're the only one who's watched every second of all three hundred and fifty of them. Probably okay,
0: that's just that's just not no. Well, you I do, haven't, but
1: the okay. Cause, well because you did it, so you do know what's in album. It's sure, your content. is <laughs> you. People. I'm telling you, you do. And this is just one of those moments where you're an intelligent guy, and you just have to trust your like instincts. Like, just think, what is the typical ex viewer? And what do they want?
0: I don't think like that. My, t- but that's like, all you would have uh, to
1: do. And whatever your gut tells you, that would be the best guess. You
0: don't know what the typical viewer is, though. I don't. I don't because I to investigate that would be very very difficult. And then you have to start looking at the numbers. You have to start to like consider the demographics. Yeah. The only way I know that anybody even watches it is because I'll, I'll sometimes run into people, like when I run along the river, and they'd be like, "I love you, Lex." It's like, okay, well, that that's a per, <laughs> that's a data point, and they're yeah. like cool people. But you know, I don't know, any, like I don't have any other. Um, it's difficult, man. It's difficult to know. It's difficult to know who listens to podcasts. It's difficult to. Do you have a sense of who's? I mean, like you're so huge that everybody watches.
1: Yeah, uh, but no, I still do. I'd say if you were to just put a gun to my head and you're you're like all right we're yeah. gonna pick a random person that watched your last video and you have to like roughly guess what they are and if you're not close we'll kill you i would say probably like a teenager that plays video games like some some like that would be probably the typical one and then there are people that are maybe a little bit younger a lot of people that are, are older as well but in a random random sample size yeah it's probably like a, a male boy that plays video games like that's the best way i would describe it but i don't try to pertain to them i just make right. whatever i think is interesting and good content um and this is what we were talking about before even though hypothetically 35 to 40% of my audience is uh women which is you know less than a majority if we get 100 million views of a video that's still 30 to 40 million females that watch every video mm-hmm. which is probably the largest uh you know views per video for, for women on the whole platform which you wouldn't think that you know uh like i can't think of a single other creator that gets more women to watch their videos than that um and so, it's just like anything, even like people above the age of 30, even if it's only like three or 4%, that's still three to 4% of 100 million views is a lot of people that age. So, we, we hit a large group of, uh, of kind of every demographic, if that makes any sense.
0: So, w- what if we look at other, maybe more challenging kinds of channels or not, but if we look at educational, for example, like lectures or if we look, yeah, educational, it could be short videos, like yeah. how would you 10x that? Like uh, something on uh, robotics, on biology, on science, on engineering, on all all yeah. of that.
1: I, that's um, more educational focused. We would honestly just have to pull the... Because it's the same way if, if, if you went to Gordon Ramsay and you said, how would a new cook cook better? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... Oh, you so gotta, even
0: then, that's not even specific. You have to go channel by channel.
1: You really do, or I'm, I'm giving horrible advice. Because yeah. if there was these just golden rules, everyone would do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if there's these magical little principles. Um, how
0: quickly, when you look at a channel, can you kind of... give advice yeah
1: it's it's like surface love at the start and then the more if we watch 10 videos i feel like i'd have a good profile and i could tell you in my opinion you know one especially once i look at the analytics and i get more ingrained in like okay the typical viewer is this they're from here here's how they're feeling you know because there are people who make videos for rednecks and like the rednecks taste of content is just so much different than obviously women watching makeup videos which are so much different than you know teenage boys watching a minecraft video they're just all different so the biggest thing you have to do is put your heads your head in the headspace of the viewer and see the content how they would because if you just try to only give your taste which is what a lot of people do and things from your perspective it's very biased and it's just not going to work for everyone and that's actually how you do more harm than good which is something i'm very careful of
0: yeah but at the same time just generating a lot of ideas i think the first time i've talked to you was on clubhouse actually yeah i mentioned something about robots and like almost immediately you went to generating a bunch of ideas around yeah It's just a hundred
1: robots versus a hundred humans. Yeah, Yeah. how far can a robot throw a potato? I think your
0: idea, like the first idea, was because you just said so many ideas I never even thought of. But it's it's it's, it shows the value of uh, basically brainstorming with people that think differently. But
1: at the end of the day, my ideas are probably you know might lean towards some people a little bit younger than your audience, like some of the stuff. i Yeah, but there's still
0: ideas. Like I think the first one you said because we're talking about uh, quadruped, like uh, robot dogs. You said to replace. A biological dog with a robot dog, and see if the owner notices something. You were just quickly brainstorming different yeah. ideas of like how. To- this
1: was years ago. I remember that. Yeah, it though.
0: yeah. <laughs> it was, it's just. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, I never really thought about that kind of sort of. It's the basic, the tension between what does it take for a robot and our AI system to replace the, the biological systems that we, uh, the biological creatures that we yeah. we love in our lives. Yeah, and but like that was like the um, the pace of idea generation. W- was the thing that struck me today and in general, it's like that's how you get at good videos. Is you keep keep. Thinking.
1: It makes it's much easier to make a video around a good idea, obviously, than right. a, a bad one. Like you just send yourself up for success.
0: Okay, so that's for 10xing uh, 10xing already popular um, channel. What's the hardest number? You said uh, the numbers that matters: click through rate, average view duration, and and uh, surveys. What's the hardest number to uh, optimize for?
1: Probably surveys, you know.
0: Do you have any do you have an insight into the surveys at all?
1: No, not really. But if you just click on a bunch of random videos online, you'll eventually get a survey. Was this video transformative, heartwarming, inspiring? What people rate does make a difference? Um, and it's like you can get people to click a video, you can get them to watch it, but you can't really fake whether or not they're satisfied. Like yeah. they, they don't lie, the surveys, you know. Um you know, maybe one person here or there might troll, but once you aggregate it enough, it's a pretty clear telltale of the video. So either you're making a great video or you're not
0: what is it, uh, minimizing the non-regrettability.
1: Yeah, I think Elon tweeted that yeah. that's what he's tried to do on for, Twitter. For
0: Twitter, and that's interesting. That's the, that's basically the survey metric, how happy you are that you've been using the platform. Yeah,
1: Elon tweeted, we wanna limit the amount of regrettable minutes people spend on Twitter. And uh, the first thing I thought, it's like that's something YouTube already has a lot, yeah. like their whole survey system when feedback loop.
0: How tough is it to take on YouTube, you think? Like- um, For Twitter? Yeah, for Twitter, for anybody else?
1: Um, I mean, it's going to be basically impossible. I mean, YouTube's not going anywhere. And I, mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to do what YouTube does better than them, uh, at least not in the next 10 years.
0: You asked on Twitter, would you rather have $10 million or 10 million subscribers on YouTube? Uh, what would your own answer be at various stages in your career?
1: If, uh, if, if I had nothing, I would say $10 million. Because with $10 million, you can hire some people and pump out content with like a million or two, get 10 million subscribers and then keep the other 8 million.
0: So that's if you believe in your ability to uh, grow a channel. If you Well,
1: if you, yeah. If you don't believe in your ability to grow a channel, then you shouldn't take the 10 million subscribers because you're just going to kill the channel. So the 10 million is definitely, a better question would be, would you rather have a million dollars or 10 million subscribers? That's where it gets a little tricky because now it's like, hmm you know, a million dollars life-changing amount of money. Uh But, you know, if you semi know what you're doing, you probably make a million dollars off a 10 million subscriber channel, but there is a little so, bit of so risk. So
0: a million dollars might not be enough to to build a strong team because uh, you don't know how to do it, so you might waste all of that money. Yeah,
1: or they just keep it and retire. Yeah. Okay, that's true. Yeah, because 10 million is just so high, it's like just never work again. Who cares? For the average human, that's so much money.
0: <laughs> it's interesting to me also to the value of the subscriber versus the value of the dollar. Um. I suppose how valuable is a subscriber for uh, like what percentage of the videos like how active are the subscribers in watching the
1: video? Um for you that's hard. I don't know. I was actually thinking more about the subscriber to dollar. Like if someone has 10 million subscribers have they made 10 million dollars? I don't I don't know why that that kind of popped in my head. It's an interesting thought.
0: Uh do you ever when you analyze uh videos, do you ever analyze videos like we've talked about offline of other videos across the YouTube in general, just to, to understand trends, to understand the social behavior oh, and all that. Well, all kind of stuff.
1: your, not all, but a lot of the questions are analytics-based. Yeah. Yeah, it's so Because I love
0: it. Uh, I mean, it's just a giant social experiment, right? Like what people like to watch, what people share. Yeah. It's like a fascinating So yeah, no, I hate
1: to, so back, like I said before, what percentage of your audience do you think care about this kind of stuff? Like this deeply about YouTube analytics?
0: I think a large amount care about uh, curiosity and exploration of interesting ideas uh-huh. so in this, that this sense yeah. yeah this would <laughs> this was fit it i
1: love it <laughs> this is funny I and mean, this isn't me like trying to make i, I love you and i, yeah. I actually i love loved you your too. magnus one and uh, um and even your hikaru one was really good and a bunch of other ones but i think we're getting to the point now where yeah. only analytics junkies would lo- want to keep hearing more analytics talk and the normie is probably like they've had their dose of youtube talk for the next three years. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Hey, comment if I'm wrong. I could be. I don't know your audience. See, this is where you would tell me, shut up. I know my audience, you dumbass.
0: And I don't at all. <laughs> I actually, I just follow the thread of curiosity. And I think there's just a lot of curious humans in the world. And and to me, it's like, so the question about analytics is the question of basically stepping away, stepping outside of yourself and thinking, why the hell do I like TikTok so much? Why do I like Twitter so much? Why do I like YouTube so much? And getting, even if you're not a creator, getting an insight into that is really interesting. It's like, what, because uh, all these platforms are fundamentally changing the nature of content. People are reading books less, they're probably going to be watching movies less and less, they're probably going to be watching Netflix less and less. Do you ever think about the, the sort of the darker side of YouTube and, um uh, with shadow banning and censorship and all the kind of topics, especially if you see it in other platforms like Twitter that that, uh, Elon recently highlighted the shadow banning that was happening and in general, the censorship that was happening on those platforms. Do you think about the role of centralized control which information isn't or isn't uh, made available through search and discovery?
1: I'll be honest. I never really think about it. So, uh,
0: you just, uh, you just try to make fun videos that, yeah, that I'm more,
1: are. I'm kind of more in my own lane, but it's not yeah. like that I don't just specifically think about I just like a lot of stuff in general. Like I'm just kind of in my own lane thinking about my own stuff. Uh, but you know, now that you asked, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, on YouTube and that kind of stuff?
0: Well, I, I'm generally against centralized, um, censorship or shadow banning. Shadow banning is the worst one because not that. The goal of creating a healthy platform where you're having great conversations and uh, videos that are not spreading misinformation—that sounds like an admirable goal, but that's too difficult of a job for a centralized entity. That's too big of an uh, yeah. Well, and then
1: there's the misinformation stuff, and then there's also just like the videos where they do something that causes uh what, what happened back in the day, the where uh apocalypse you know and a lot of creators' revenue plummets because people are are doing videos that advertisers don't deem acceptable and then now all these big advertisers are pulling and the little guys are getting hit because ad rates dropped by 30% and the person who just quit his job to go full-time content creation Mm -hmm. now can't sustain it. So it's also, it's like a lot of different variables as well that makes it so complicated.
0: Well, I think the big thing is transparency, especially around shadow banning for for people. I
1: agree. On shadow banning, uh, you should be transparent. You should let people know it. It, you know obviously there has to be some type of controls people can't just post whatever and so if you're pulling those levers they should at least know
0: yeah so they know how uh, how to improve their content they can understand it they can exactly uh if, if it's a wrong shadow banning like as a society that we should not shadow ban this kind of content that means exactly you should be publicly discussing it and because if that.
1: not and if it's not known then it's just kind of like well then who's pulling the strings and like yeah, How do we know they're not just manipulating things to get whatever message they want out there and silence other ones?
0: Yeah, and there could be sort of in the background, government influence, which is where actual freedom of speech comes into play, that the government should not have any control or be able to put pressure on censorship um, of speech. And it gets weird if none of that is being, there's no transparency around it. Exactly. That's a, but to be fair, that's a huge responsibility. The amount of content that YouTube is uh, uploaded on YouTube, it is shared by YouTube, viewed by you.
1: But even more of a reason why it it would probably make sense to be transparent. You know, yeah. Because yeah. then people can help fact check it.
0: That's right. But that that requires building a platform that makes that easy. Right. Like uh, to to make fact checking easy, to make the like Twitter now has like being able to share context and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That crowdsource it. Crowdsource is the way Wikipedia crowdsources it. I mean there's it, it's <laughs> right,
1: and then you open a random Wikipedia article. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like you know, people criticize Wikipedia because there is uh, a political lean to the editors of Wikipedia, and then they get there's some articles that definitely have a bias to them, and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a difficult problem. It's a difficult problem to solve. That ultimately, as much as possible, it would be nice for the viewer to have control of that versus the the entity that's hosting it. So for the viewer I'll let you to decide figure that stuff. Out. Yeah, I'm a, just
1: gonna make. cool videos yeah 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 you know let's go to Antarctica again
0: (laughs) how was that how was going you just came back from Antarctica that was I I watched the video that was that was fun that was a really fun video thank you um there's I mean there's a lot of things I can comment about that but what was that what was the hardest part of
1: making that video the hardest part was just getting out there it's just so remote and you know you, you land the plane on just this ice runway and it's so sketchy and then once the plane takes off, you're just there. You're the most remote place on the planet. And it's it's just it's very breathtaking. I don't, if you have the chance to ever go to Antarctica, I would recommend it. It was probably like the, in the video, we climbed a mountain um, that wasn't named, so we can name it. And like standing on top of that mountain and just seeing kind of like nothing. And because once you get outside the outskirts and you get deep in Antarctica, there's no penguins so nothing lives there at all. Um, and so, there's just nothing in every direction. It's just snow and these crazy, beautiful mountains, and some of them stick into the clouds. And it was, and the um, if you go during summertime, the sun never goes down. Mm-hmm. So, the sun's up 24-7, and it's just like spinning in circles at the top of the planet or whatever. It looks like the top.
0: Um, yeah, you guys commented several times how beautiful yeah, it is. Yeah, and
1: so, it's just, yeah, it's just very beautiful.
0: What about um, shooting itself, like the technical aspects of shooting it?
1: Oh, I mean, well, so somehow we lucked out one of the days it was like the warmest day in like forever that's yeah. been in Antarctica it was like it was positive uh degrees but at certain parts it's also like negative 20 negative 30 and that's where the cameras you constantly have to be switching out the batteries and heating them up and like putting them <laughs> basically in like your pants or they'll just get way too cold and uh we were prepared for much worse, but it ended up being much better than we thought. So
0: for that video, but in general, maybe some other challenging videos, how does how do you go from the idea stage to the actual execution to the final video? What's, can you take me through like a full process of, like yeah. we're, we're talking about some crazy wild ideas today. How do you go from that to a final video where you click publish?
1: Well, I mean, obviously first things first, you got to figure out the idea. And then it just depends. I mean, pick any video you can think of on my channel. I can take you through it.
0: Uh... Well, what about the in a circle? You have to stay in a circle for uh, for hundred days. days.
1: Yeah, so for that one, step one.
0: One um, of the most popular. Yeah, uh, that that
1: video did really well. Yeah. So we, um, problem is, uh, we have to. <laughs> this is where you get really into the nuances of the company because. We have a lot of videos going on. You can't just, in a vacuum, be like, all right, we're not doing anything for 100 days. We're only filming this. Mm -hmm. So, step one is we had to build an independent crew that could actually do that for 100 days. That way, everyone else could keep working on the normal videos and not just screw everything up. So, um, So, step one, you build that team. Okay, we got the team. Now, what do we need? Well, to do this, we need probably like 10 cameras, at least rolling at all times. So, uh, we're probably going to need to get a trailer and uh, hook up a bunch of storage and stuff to just carry the sheer volume of footage we're going to have. And so get a trailer, set up the cameras, go out in the field, paint a circle. Now we need a house. Go <laughs> buy a house, bring it out there. Uh, and then it's like, oh, wait. I think it'd be funny if I brought the house in on the intro. If, yeah. You know, find a crane that can lift up a house so I can drive it in and drop it in the intro.
0: And that's like an iterative process where you're like, okay, this would be funnier. So it's not all up front that have written. Yeah, like you're ideally
1: it would be, but as you kind of see things, you, you get inspired and then you think of more and more. Uh, and then This
0: would be better with a crane.
1: Yeah, it'd be better if I dropped out of the house. Drop it. Uh, yeah,
0: that was crazy that you decided to do that. Uh, so fearless in the kind of crazy
1: stuff you're willing to do exactly what i'm a broken record but whatever makes the best video possible yeah that's that's all you you focus on
0: (laughs) okay so uh what about the delegation of like who gets to what are the cameramen like the people operating the cameras what uh who's responsible for different things is it like a distributed process like well
1: that's where whoever the lead cam would be on that video would just decide it that one because we shot over 100 days we didn't a lot of it was just Sean, and the guy who was in the circle, just vlogging. We just gave him a camera, and, yeah. and he figured it out. And then we'd have, like, for him, just set hours each day that a cameraman would come. So if he had any content, he needed extra hands. Instead of just having someone on standby 24-7, okay. it made more sense to do set hours. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was hard, but, you know, explaining it in hindsight, it sounds so simple, you know. And I, I guess, like, the more...
0: Because that one is relatively simple, I guess, because it's a low number of people. Yeah, the but,
1: hard part about that is just the time. Right. Like, you know, I checked in on them so many different days and it's like an hour here, two hours there, three hours there, over a hundred days adds up to be a ton of time. And and even then, like, you know, if you have a 10-person crew, you know, paying them daily rates for a hundred days, it just, all that adds up.
0: What about like the hundred versus hundred? Hundred uh, adults versus hundred yeah. kids. What was the, what was... Uh, bringing that to life. That seems like exceptionally challenging.
1: Yeah. Basically, the thought process was we did 100 kids versus, or sorry, 100 boys versus 100 girls. Yeah. People loved it. Honestly, I didn't think they'd like it as much as they did. Video did really, really well. So the second I saw that video was crushing, I was like, all right, we're doing it again. But last time we did it, we did it in our studio. So we built a, a giant room, put 100 girls in it. it. sounds bad when I explain it like this. And then a giant room, put 100 boys. Yeah. And we're like, after 100 hours, whichever room has the most people, we'll give them half a million dollars. So did well. So we're like, all right, we're going to do it again so we threw out all these different ideas. It was like 100 football players versus 100 cheerleaders, 100 this, 100 that, and, uh, 100 prisoners versus 100 cops, so just craziest ideas. And we settled on 100 kids versus 100 adults. Um, and then the next step was like, how do we make it better? The kids versus adults are the, sorry, the uh, boys versus girls, the first one we did was inside. And the problem was every time it was night when we did these long time lapses, you couldn't see the sun go up and down. So we're like, okay, this time I want to do it outside. That's why the cubes are outside. Um, And instead of doing circles, we want to make them cubes. And then, you know, it's figuring out, do we want that? Yeah, just...
0: Those videos came up at least today as ones that are like really complicated in terms of the audio, in terms of how, how yes, it's to film then, it.
1: Yeah, that's like, the problem. We had a lot of audio issues because uh, in the first one, we didn't have a roof on it. The second one, there was a roof. So there's a lot of reverb which then in editing made it brutal, like half the shots weren't usable and it really screwed us over. So we had to do a lot of Frankensteining in the editing to make up for basically my ignorance.
0: So you mentioned that you were surprised how well that that one did. Uh, A lot of creators talk about getting depressed when um, the videos don't do as well as they kind of expected. There's a kind of feeling you can get really worn out by that. Do, Do you yourself feel that? And also, do you have advice for others that
1: feel this? Um, yeah, it's weird because I am a numbers guy, but also it it, it used to. It, it, <laughs> it used to very much, especially when I was like betting everything I had on a video. When it yeah. did bad, I was devastated, man. I, I'd cry and I'd be depressed for days. And it really would have a severe impact on my mood. But I don't know. Now it doesn't really matter. It's uh, if a video does bad, I just look at it and I'm like, oh, why'd this video do bad? Uh, probably, oh, there's a little retention dip there. I don't think people like the thumbnail. Maybe we should switch it. And I just look at it objectively, unemotional, and then just move on. And I feel like that's a much healthier way of going about it. So, if a creator is listening, like that is the ideal way to um respond to a video that's doing bad. Just remove emotion from the equation and just look at it and figure out how you can improve is there, the next one.
0: Is there tricks to deta- being able to detach yourself from the from that because <laughs> <laughs> because like in your case, I mean that's true for creators, but in your case there's there's like a lot of money on the line. Yeah, well, video cost of my of, life yeah. and
1: so much time. But no, I mean, you just, I mean, I don't know. The only real answer is it's just a conscious effort. You just yeah. have to unemotionally look at the video, determine the problems, and then move on. Like, there, there is no secret. You know what I mean? It's just, that's it's that. And if you really can't bring yourself to do it, then you're just screwed. <laughs> you, honestly, maybe you're not meant for this game.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's part of the development as a creator is like being able to be- For longevity, those, yes, yeah. yeah.
1: You have to unemotionally be able to, Look at videos that flop and figure it out. Because uh, if not, just getting can, you can't. Not every video can be a one out of ten. And so when a video does bad, you know that that just stress and depression is just gonna eventually get to you in the long run.
0: So you said you've uh, failed in a bunch of videos, uh, sort of taking them to completion. So what are some of the biggest fails?
1: Yeah, weirdly enough, as we've matured and we've done this more, we don't have that problem as much. Especially now that we're getting into multi million dollar budgets per video it's like, <laughs> failure is not really an option anymore. So, I'm a, a little more particular about what I do. But back in the day, yeah, like we would do a video where we spent 24 hours on a deserted island. And uh we filmed it, did it all. And I just, I didn't like it after the edit. So, I just grabbed the boys and we went back to the deserted island and spent another 24 hours there and refilmed it. Um Or... uh Could
0: that have been caught... And prevent it at the idea stage,
1: like where. Like no, it's did? a good idea. It was just poor execution, to be honest. When we were out there, it was hot. We were, we we're just like we all at one point just kind of wanted to die. It was just miserable. So how do we, how do you avoid that these days? Uh, well, I, I just, just went get... when it was a little cooler, to be honest. <laughs> and then we had literally the amount of fun we had in the video was like ten times higher.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. So you like there's some practical details that you just learned. Yeah, I what, don't. What it takes to videos
1: do. that where it's very hot or or it's on <laughs> water because I get super seasick. It was yeah. like a kind of like. 10 things that if they have these variables, I'm down to do it, but my fun meter is not as high as normal. <laughs> uh like we tried to sp- um anytime we, we do anything on a boat, like when we spent 24 hours in Bureman Triangle, or when I tried to spend like which I didn't get uploaded, but I tried to spend like hundred hours at sea or whatever, just like on a raft, it just like I it makes me want to throw up and I get so seasick I can't even see straight. But there are just some videos that require <laughs> me to be on a boat. So I just suck it up. Um
0: so, when you spend months in creating a video, I, I know this is probably stressful to some creators. Uh, like, how much stress? How do you feel when you have to click publish
1: uh, a video? N- now, not much. So you're
0: able to detach yourself. From yeah.
1: Your I, again, and old me, tons. I mean, bro, I'd be like scratching and nervous, and like my hands would be sweating like to the point where I'm almost about to puke. I'm like, oh, I really hope people like this. But, you know, I don't know. I think that's just part of maturing it. There's different, and as a content creator, there's different phases. And uh, you just like, once you get over the the fear that you're just going to wake up one day and be irrelevant, you know, and you yeah. just, you know, accept that like you believe in yourself and you believe in your content and that you can continue to be relevant, then you don't, I don't know. You kind of are, it's a little bit easier to detach yourself, I guess. And, and that's, I, it's a much healthier place to be. You can't do this for 10 years if every little thing just, causes these huge emotional reactions. It's like <laughs> that's why a lot of creators go a little, you know, mentally insane. You know, you have to get out of that that game because right? it really messes with you.
0: We've talked about this a little bit, but how do you define and how, how do you suggest others define success? It's, on, on it's so
1: subjective. Some like, some, pe- some people success is retiring their mom. Literally, you know, for you go success is inspiring people and yeah. educating them and, you know, whatever, peak their curiosity. Um For other people, it's just quitting their job.
0: So you have to self-reflect on what your definition of success is. Because I think a lot of creators kind of don't really think, don't introspect. Mm -hmm. Like, they kind of want to keep getting more and more subscribers kind of thing.
1: Yeah. But subscribers is just a vanity metric, you know. It doesn't, subscribers don't correlate to views.
0: Sure or views? What?
1: Yeah, I know, but that's more. That was directed to you. That was more directed to people listening because uh, a lot of people do really care about subscribers or even followers, like on TikTok. But if you look, like your view, if on YouTube, very very few percent, if even a percent of your views come from the sub feed, right? They're almost all home feed suggested. When's the last time you clicked on your sub feed to watch a video?
0: oh almost never yeah
1: yeah maybe five years ago it used to be a thing it's not anymore no one does um and it's getting harder and harder to find something i subscribe to way too many channels i think yeah that's what everyone does and you subscribe to 10 channels they're great but two years later your taste evolves and it's like it's a mess and so um subscribers don't really matter followers on tiktok don't really matter um so anyways it it really they really are the definition of a vanity metric
0: and but what about views
1: they do, obviously, because if people are showing up time and time again, that's what matters.
0: Okay, so that that's a good thing to uh, define a success. I I just feel like uh, that too can be a problem, because uh, I would say, you know, if I wanted to be successful, like as a, in, a young creator, I might start copying Mr. Beast or something like that, right? Yeah. Like there's, you, you start trying to take shortcuts as, a, as opposed to find your your own unique voice, mm-hmm. right? So, like, chasing views is a problem, too, it feels like. Or no. Um, like, as, as long as you detach yourself from that. I mean,
1: if you're it sounds about, but if you're lazy, yeah, and you just want to copy someone else and not experiment and find your own way. But, okay. yeah, I mean, you can't make that excuse for them. If someone just isn't coming up with original stuff and putting in the effort, you can't just say, oh, it's because they're chasing views. We need some met- different metric for them to chase. No, they just need to find their own way.
0: I mean, it just feels like unique type of content will often lead to sacrifice in the number of views in the short term.
1: hmm But in the long term, you win.
0: Okay. Or so, if you
1: do win, you you win more, I guess would be a better way of putting it.
0: Do you think you will IPO Miss Mr. Beesberger or Feastables in the next five, ten years?
1: Beesberger or Feastables? No. I, I kind of think there something so actually you know what I just realized. Yes. <laughs> this is our first time talking about those we're like an hour and a half in that's so funny we started talking about what uh my retention brain kicked in <laughs> <laughs> um
0: i wonder if you have retention brain for like life itself
1: oh i do every time i'm talking to someone i can i'm like okay I what about
0: like loved ones like spending time with loved ones thinking like we could be doing something much better right now
1: right? yes no that is a serious problem uh with well well, so we'll pause the beastberg question yes but that's why uh my current girlfriend uh which i was telling you before when we were talking about this is she has a genuine love for learning and that's something i have like i i always feel like i need to be learning something to justify the time i'm spending and so that's why it's such a nice trait because i feel like that time is being used optimally because whether we're watching a documentary or we're going and in you know Taking an IQ test or reading about whatever, just why modern art is a thing. I don't know. Whatever weird thing we decide to do. I'm always learning and improving. So it justifies the time.
0: So to maximize retention in your relationship. Yeah. You, you want to spend time that time learning as much as possible.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, which <laughs> conveniently I don't have to force, right? Yes. Or or I want to be recharging. So I when I do work, I can, you know, hit the ground harder. And luckily, we're into a lot of the same things, which you know, having to be learning, and sometimes it's not learning, like maybe watching an anime or something like that. Um, but I'm a big believer in you're either, if you, well, if you if your goal is to be like a super successful entrepreneur, you need to either be working or you need to be doing something that decompresses and recharges you so you can work again. If your goal is to be like a really kick-ass entrepreneur, and obviously we're boiling this down to like a very basic thing. And so the, the things you're doing in your downtime when you're not working, if it doesn't recharge you, you're screwed. You're just a ticking time bomb waiting to implode. Um, And so, you got to like heavily recharge. And like, so like watching for me anime or whatever it is, playing a board game, like that is actually kind of crucial to my success, which takes a lot of maturing to come to that conclusion because I used to be the kind of guy that wanted to work every hour of the day. And I would try to train myself to not need that stuff. And, I, you know, and I almost resented, like that I I have to do these kinds of things and it would piss me off because it's not optimal and, you know, I just really want to make content and entertain people. But as someone who's gone down that road and, you know, you just work every day for two, three months straight and, you know, every hour of the day and then you just a bomb waiting to explode and lose your mind. And the only real sustainable thing is to just, like, give yourself time to recharge in between working.
0: So there's a kind of balance you have to find.
1: You have to. Even... and. I hate it more than anyone else yeah. cuz I you know I,
0: you hate I, not working.
1: Yeah, cuz it's just not optimal for yeah. time. Like yes. it's 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 as a human I do need to occasionally watch a mindless show and play a board game. Yeah. And it took me a very long time to like come to peace with that and not I would have like borderline panic attacks when I would do it cuz I be like I just what am I doing right now? Why am I doing this? I should be, you know, like what if one day I have to lay off an employee because we're not doing so well? Like, how could I justify watching this this show or whatever I'm doing right now? You know, it's like, there's a lot of things like that that go on in your head, but it's necessary.
0: Before we return to uh, Mr. Beast Burger, <laughs> <laughs> well, what is like, a since we're on the topic, what is a perfect day in the life, perfectly productive day in the life of Mr. Beast look like?
1: Oh boy. Well, I mean... Or, or like a standard... I mean, the perfectly productive day is we film a main channel video. like Because those get hundred million a pop. I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that.
0: What about like the average day when you're not on the set? Yeah. And you're like, like, it, uh, cause, cause you're running a lot of things, right? Yeah.
1: So right now we have our snack brand feastables. We have a restaurant chain beast burger. And then we basically, which we haven't even really launched any products yet, but we have the, the data company that I was showing you where we're going to roll out some tools for creators. And then we have the React channel, the gaming channel, the main channel. And then we have my charity, which also has a channel. Um, and so, Kind of how I've structured my life right now uh, is whenever I have free time, we just kind of go, hey guys, Jimmy's got an hour from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. And it's just, everyone's just like, I need this, I need this. And this channel's like, I need this thing filmed. Or, you know, whatever. The guy who runs my TikTok's like, I need this TikTok filmed. Or, um, you know, Beast Burger's like, I need this menu item approved. Do we need to talk about this marketing thing? And then we kind of just look at what everyone needs and we're like, that one looks like the most important. We'll do that. And then, so it's just kind of like, you know, if I just did that for every company in a day, then that's optimal. If I just kind of, like an optimal day for me would be going down to eight companies and just whatever their like two to three biggest pain points or things they need from me and just yeah, doing those.
0: Based on priority and then trying to keep it as short as possible yeah. to just the things that you're needed on.
1: It, it doesn't get more optimal than that. If I clear the bottlenecks or some bottlenecks for all my companies, then it's, yeah, it's, that's a perfect day.
0: Yeah, I mean, even just me, because you're like, you're showing me around and you're being a, a great and gracious host. But on top of that, you're just doing all these meetings. You you basically.
1: <laughs> I felt bad at some points. So I was like, oh, I just tricked him into going to meetings with me. <laughs> He's like my little meeting buddy. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it was, it, was, it was fun. It was fun to see. It, it was fun to see how effectively you've delegated. You basically trust the team to do a really good job on the various things. And there's just a, a strong team that's able to carry the flag on all the different tasks yeah. from the, from the brainstorming in the main channel to the reacts and so on. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, it's it's really interesting what it takes to build a team like that. Cause you very quickly build a very large team that's, that's able to scale.
1: Which is very scary. Cause <laughs> it's my first, you know, I I'm 24, you know, and I, I think I was telling you this earlier. It's funny cause six years ago I had to raise my hand to go use the bathroom. Yeah. And now I'm in charge of hundreds of people and entertain hundreds of millions of people and so it is crazy just how quick it comes up. And I wish I was a little bit older so I could have ran a couple of companies and failed a few companies in the past and like learn from those and apply those here. Because I know for a fact, when I'm 34, I'm 24 now, when I'm 34, I'll I'll know so much more about running a business and scaling and hiring and, and how to lead people and better effectively communicate and all these different skill sets that will make me a better leader that, uh, that's the only thing that sucks is uh, I just don't have those because I just haven't been through the lessons and I just have such a lucrative thing on my plate right now. And it just sucks that I have to learn the lessons with the lucrative thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Cause you,
0: you, you already have so much influence, so much impact, but you have effectively scaled. What, what, what lessons do you draw from that? How to effectively scale as, as a 24 year old? Like it, you, yeah, build, that's something
1: I feel like I actually could give a lot of value to to young people who are doing it, like older people who've built five companies or whatever they do. Um, <laughs> I probably couldn't, you know, they're gonna be like, Oh, this is so obvious, but um, for uh, younger first time business owners, you gotta just experiment, to be honest. And uh, but for us, like, it's just a new space. No one had really ever scaled up a hundred person team to build make content on YouTube, mm-hmm. so there wasn't no uh, I spent all this time like. I hired one person from Disney to at one point to come in and and help, and obviously that was a dumb idea looking back on it. But you know, I thought, oh, they make great stuff; people want to watch, and they come over here and help me build a team, and you know, and they build it more the traditional way and not like how it should be online, and and so then it's like, okay, and now I'm not trying to trash people; like they all tried their best, but then I hired this one person who run, does this different type of uh media and runs a hundred person team and then you come in here and they try to build it that way and they don't really listen to you or value or or see the difference and i i tried basically for building this company with like four or five different people who worked in different veins of media and you know every single time it just like they just don't get it and they like they don't understand my world and the the eventual solution was just like to roll up my sleeves and do it myself you know with like james or right-hand man and just like no no one's ever done this and like no one's going to just give us a golden carrot and tell us how to build this company. We got to figure it the fuck out ourselves.
0: And you have to kind um, of build up people from scratch then.
1: Yeah, exactly. All the stuff I was talking about earlier and all the the lessons I learned along the way. Um, and so for me, that was a big part of like it's tr- stop trying to have someone build this company for me and just do it myself because it's scary. Like I spent my whole life studying YouTube videos of virality, not business building, but fuck it. I was like, I guess we just got to do it ourselves And um, and that's where things really started to click, and we got the exponential growth and we started getting the right people and training them the right way, and you know just throwing conventional stuff out the door and focusing on what's actually practical for YouTube, which is just completely different than traditional media,
0: so you train people and then those people train people and then and so on,
1: yeah, I mean it's just even like you know how you do the lighting on sets or like how how you do the audio or or um you know not writing scripts, so you know. We're just not as efficient with our filming. Like sometimes I have to have thirty cameras running. Why? Because it's not scripted. I don't. I don't know what Chris is going to do when we start filming. He might run over there. But guess what? We got to have it planned because there's only one shot. I can't, you know, tell him not to do that.
0: Yeah, that's the not. shooting. But then there's also the editing.
1: Yeah, and then the editing as well, and not having guardrails and kind of, you know, I, at, at the end of the day, it's whatever I want. The video. The, their job is to make a video that they think I'll like because it's my channel. But you know, you can achieve that kind of. However and um and so it's just everything's just different you know it's much more i guess like a startup as opposed to um
0: are you often surprised like with the result like you think a certain like we watched a video today that was really yeah. nice that was different than you would have potentially edited yeah are you sometimes surprised by like a decision editor makes it's like okay that's not the way i would have done it but it's actually this is a cool idea
1: yeah of course yeah the, um the, the thing my biggest fear is i don't ever want to get trapped in like uh bubble of, you know, because we are getting 100 million views of video on the main channel. Like, but I don't want to get in this feedback loop of just, my ideas are great, or, or like that feedback loop, but stop learning and improving. Because it is easy sometimes to be like, what we're doing is working, we need to just keep doing it. I want to keep learning and trying new things. And I guess one way I'd put it is like, <laughs> you don't, <laughs> when, when you're on a, a come up, or you're growing, you don't want to uh, test new things. Once uh, you start to plateau or have a downtrend, because if you're like, you know, you, you're skyrocketing, right? You're up, up, up. And then you level off and you start to go down. And you're like, oh, this isn't working anymore. Let's start experimenting. Well, if you have a bad experiment, now you're in like a tailspin. You're nose diving. And you have one more bad experiment. You're like, screwed, kind of. I'm oversimplifying. You want to test things while you're still growing to keep the growing from happening. Because once you like have, you know, again, very oversimplifying that like, you know, kind of level off, you do a couple of tests, they go wrong. In my, you're like, screwed. You know what I mean? You're already out the door. And now you're just confirming that you're out the door and online entertainment. So that's kind of how I see it. So I think it's very imperative that you're constantly always experimenting and trying things, even if you're getting crazy, unheard of growth.
0: And so that outside of the thing that brought you to the dance, you just dived right into uh, Mr. Beast Burger and Feastables. This is a whole nother industry. Like, what was that
1: like? Well, so Beast Burger... We kind of uh, it was supposed to be like just a pop up, like yeah. we, we just partnered with someone who had 300 restaurants, and we we're just like, you know, um, let's let's just uh, sell beast burgers for a day or two. Let's let's see what happens. We didn't really think it would be as big as it was, but those first like that first day, you know, we do six figures in sales, and they all sell out, and they're running to local WalMarts. They can't keep up with the demand, and it's like, okay, well, maybe let's just leave it open a week, whatever. Um, and we're just doing crazy revenue and it's like okay well let's add some more restaurants and let's just leave them open for a month mm-hmm. and we're just still doing six figures a day and it kind of just went from this thing that was i don't know it wasn't really i didn't really plan on running a restaurant chain but here i am but did, uh,
0: didn't that in some sense o- also open your mind to something like feastables
1: feasible is something i've always wanted to do because i i think just in general uh american snacks are just full of so much horrible ingredients to be honest and they're not I don't know. I feel like there also just hasn't been any innovation in American Snacks in quite a while. Um, and so that's just something I've always been pretty passionate about. The thing, we built that from scratch. So we hired the CEO and built a team around him, and we, we spent probably over two and a half years before we even launched just like building the right team, figuring things out and making sure it was actually ran the way I wanted. Um, which Feastables has just been crushing. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, I, this is something I've never talked about publicly but Having products in retail, it's like before Feastables. Everything I had done was online. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, you know, anything from the quote unquote piece brand, you'd have to buy it online and ship it to you. But Feastables, now that you know, because our first product, chocolate bars, we started putting that in, in retail locations. So like for example, Walmart, it's it's crazy. Like it's just it doesn't make sense how if you're, which I guess it does. For because we get a hundred million views of video, so a lot of people know us. If I go stand in Walmart, those people recognize me and yeah. ask for photos. Like if I stood there long enough, I could take one hundred and fifty photos today in Walmart, two hundred, whatever it is. So obviously, it makes sense those people go find festivals. But then you just multiply that by every Walmart in America, and it yeah. just gets so crazy. And I I didn't think we'd be doing the kind of revenue we are, and we're about to launch in some other. I don't I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, so whatever. But yeah. other big retail you know locations and convenience stores and. Like by the end of next year, we could be in like forty, fifty thousand locations, and th- the numbers just don't make sense. <laughs> you know. What, I mean?
0: what are some interesting challenges about scaling there that surprised you?
1: The biggest problem, which I didn't think would be, was just keeping the sh- shelves in Walmart stocked. To be honest, like it. it <laughs> so that was, supply. The it was, supply chain. It, right? it was brutal. Well, even then, sometimes like you know, you get them the stuff, and they're like it takes them like a day or two to put it out in that specific location, and i i had to stop promoting it because every time i'd mention it like 40 percent of people would just be like it's not there it's not in walmart or i can't buy it and so there's like a three-ish month period where i just didn't promote feastables because i was scared that someone would go buy it and it's just not there and so like it took us a very long time to catch up to the demand and also you know it's not like we have unlimited money so i didn't But now we're we're relatively caught up and keeping up, but it's going to be interesting because now this year in 2023 we're going to basically you know 10x the amount of locations we're in. So we're and we're going to try to launch new products. So we're we're in for an interesting ride. But yeah, I just hate I hate when I tell people you know like hey go try this product and then they go in their local Walmart and eventually other places and it's not there. It's just so brutal. You know, they made that whole journey out there and they couldn't get it. And so, that that was really it. Um, besides that, no, it's, it's been doing way better than I ever thought. <laughs>
0: uh, you've talked to a, a couple of places about maybe doing mobile games or computer games in the future. Yeah. Uh, is that something you're still considering?
1: Yes. Um, because, uh, you know, do you normally talk with people as much as we talked beforehand? Is that... I, no, no, that, that, that was the problem. We spent all day today I I talking just looked about in so, my head. Everything you asked me is stuff we already talked about. Not really. Well, no, no, no not those. everything. I take it back. But sorry, yeah. the last two questions, yes. And so it's just funny because.
0: <laughs> yeah, what? Well, no, I tried. So, okay, there's a, diff- there's a different style of asking those questions because I, I, on purpose, didn't dig further with you. Uh, I could off, tell, off yeah. So, I could tell. You... Okay, this is, by the way. Okay, all right, all right. Well, it's, it's, this is the First time I've ever talked to somebody as much as I did with you beforehand.
1: Yeah. Whoops. On the
0: same day. <laughs> I
1: know. We Not even the same day. We're all day, day together. We're talking three And I like only spent one though. hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, it's funny. Um, this is a
0: f- hilarious and awesome social experiment. I, I picked great.
1: him up from his hotel, and I just like harassed him all day to hang out with me. And then great. here we awesome. are now. I love it. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: I love. It. I was secretly recording the whole time, just you know, I'm just kidding." Uh, anyway, so what was the question? The uh, uh, mobile games. games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Games.
1: So the interesting thing is uh, with Beast Burger and Feastables that um, there's physical goods as opposed to like making mobile games or, or PC game, whichever one we end up doing, which is software. And uh, I actually have a giant international audience. Like um, most of my audience is obviously outside of America. And so the problem we're running into is it just takes time to build up the supply chain and get festivals in Southeast Asia, get festivals in India, get festivals in Brazil and Mexico and all these other places where we have giant pockets of our audience. And same thing with Beast Burger. It's just, it's going to take probably years uh, unless we partner with someone who already has a distribution, which we're figuring out. But the beauty of software is I can make a hypothetical game or whatever we end up doing and all my fans can, you know, use it tomorrow uh the day I mention it. And so if I promote something in a video to 100 million people and it's like a, you know, basically like a game, they can all download it. So they, you know, um but if I promote a festival's bar, right now it's only in America because we're we're struggling just to keep up with the American demand. We haven't even gotten the chance to go outside America. So I I alienate a, uh, a majority of my audience and it feels so shitty to just promote you know mention something that most of them can't buy but on the flip side you can't just spawn this crazy infrastructure and just have tens of millions of bars and all your products in every single store across the world before you promote it so you can't put the egg before the chicken and so um it's like that that's that's what i'm excited about i want to get into less physical stuff and more stuff that everyone out is can actually use It's well, the thought process
0: especially if there's a social element to the gaming too 'Cause it's yeah. not unlike feastables, like that's a product you consume.
1: You missed it. When you're setting up for this, we were uh doing some basically just laying out every everything that we're planning for. So we're at the phases where we wanna start hiring the team to build it. And we're kind of just laying out the game. And I was actually really curious to get your thoughts, but I can't say it because yeah. whatever I say. Someone's just gonna take it and run with it, but But you're a pretty good idea
0: about the kind of games you're thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine we also talked a little bit about it, Uh, it's super awesome. Good
1: ones, I did so much good talks. All right, the juicy talks happened. She's like, I gotta go set up.
0: Well, you know, I, I already heard a lot of awesome stuff. I mean, but that is a different kind of team you would need to hire. Yeah, is that a little uh nerve wracking, like going into a new field? and trying to...
1: A little bit, but then I remind myself like, like Steve Jobs didn't know how to code, right? And, you know, he just he just knew what a good product was. And I feel like, as someone who wasted so much of his life playing video games, I have a good sense of it. <laughs> and that might be ignorance.
0: Well, that, that's really important, right? It's not about coding, it's about what makes for a good game.
1: Exactly. As and again, that foremost. might genuinely be ignorance, and maybe I end up, you know, getting been in the butt because of what I'm saying now, but I think, you know, just like with YouTube, I just want to obsess over making a great product, and things that I think my audience will love. And I think as long as I keep that as my North star, it will do well.
0: Uh, What is the path to being worth a hundred billion look like?
1: Does the path to being worth a hundred billion look like? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Let me just like pause. You're 24 <laughs> and there's so much awesome scaling. So many great ideas. Do you, you think about different trajectories? Yeah. Uh What those possible trajectories might look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, if the goal was to just be worth hundred billion dollars, yes. I mean, I'm, my goal, <laughs> I'm a broken record, is to make the best video possible because I know whatever else I want will come, obviously. Blah, so blah, blah. The, 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 the video is the foundation. Yeah, exactly. So to path to hundred million billion is keep getting 100 million views a video. You know what I mean? Um, but Or more. Or yeah, or more, exactly, if we can keep growing. But, you know, if we can keep feasible's growing, right, and we eventually expand international, and one day we're in 100,000 retail locations, and <laughs> we're selling the same amount of SKUs per, or units per SKUs like we're currently doing, uh i mean that would crush and then ob- obviously ideally one day we open up hundreds of beast burgers we get it where we churn out you know like supercell a couple hit games i don't want to make dozens or hundreds of games i just want to make games that are just great and you know we rarely drop them what we do they're bangers um and just you know whatever other stuff we end up doing all that combined i mean it's just interesting because like what what's a show that's pulled 100 million views per episode basically that's yeah, like, like we're doing like you know what I mean? Like, the Super Bowl gets praised because they get 100 million viewers, but I can't think of a show, um, maybe in reruns or something. something but it's
0: like. also a show that's has, um, has a singular kind of figure Ex- yeah. that you can now use as a...
1: Like, as I one. don't have a network telling me what to do. I yeah. don't have anyone. Like, I can yeah. do whatever I want. So, it's a very interesting position because... I put out content and 100 million people show up. And then I also have a gaming channel. I put out content and 15 million people show up. And I have a reaction channel. I put out content and 10 million people show up. And I have a TikTok and I put out content and on average, 20 million people show up. And like, and I, so as long as I can keep that going and then we build these businesses, it's like, it's honestly pretty scary to see what will happen, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, over the years because Festivals launched you know, last year, 2022. So it's a relatively new thing. And BeastWay, we just started scaling up the physical side and we haven't obviously even launched any mobile games yet. So I think I'm at the antithesis of it. I don't see a world where my YouTube channel is irrelevant in the next couple of years. I just, this is what I live for. And so if I can keep that going and then really start to expand these businesses that leverage off of it, then yeah, I mean, <laughs> hopefully there's a day one where I can give away a billion dollars in a video, honestly. <laughs>
0: That, that yeah, that would be one hell of a video. Um, let me ask you the ridiculous question: since you went from being broke to being uh, rich, although you keep uh, spending all your money, uh, but uh, does money buy happiness? How has money changed, sort of your
1: your oh, contentment, man. your happiness in life? It's money buy happiness? Um, no, not. I mean, to a point, yes. Once you can take care of your health you can take care of like any immediate dangers and you can take care of your family relatively no it doesn't like but those things do like when i first came into money one of the first things i did was retire my mom and like that brought me tons of happiness you know what i mean and like you know if my brother had a medical emergency and and we couldn't afford it and i made money to afford it that'd bring tons of happiness you know so once you take care of those basic necessities so we'll say make over hypothetically a million dollars no it it really doesn't like adding an extra zero going from 10 million to 100 million or whatever it is Makes no difference.
0: So you're given that, are just fearless in spending the money.
1: Yeah. Well, let me reframe. I guess it could for some people. If if you really, I don't know, you spent your whole life obsessing over cars, it probably would bring you a little bit of joy to buy a nice Lamborghini. I, I'm coming more from the frame of mind of a, of an entrepreneur, someone who's really obsessed yeah. with business building. For me and a lot of my friends and the people I hang around, what brings us happiness is winning and building companies and do you know changing the world like that. That is fun. It's a complex problem you can wake up every day and it gives you something to obsess over and devote your life to, where it's just having money doesn't, you know?
0: Well, one interesting question I have for you psychologically. So because you have become wealthy and because you give, like, part of your work is giving away a lot of money, um, do you find it hard to find people you can trust? It's good question. Do do, do people see you basically as a source of money, as as, as as opposed to another human being?
1: It's weird. Because you would think yes, but I, th- I feel like I also know the right places to look. Um, but yeah, if I just walked into Target and tried to make friends with ten random people, of course, um, so you gotta. Uh, so you can kind of sense. Oh yeah, you who can sense the right so, thing in so their quickly, heart. right? The, yeah. the just yeah, it's, it's so obvious. So I don't even want to go into descriptions, but mo- honestly, a lot of my friends, are like uh, Chandler, I I played little league with him. Um, and Tyler, the guy, I mean, I went to school with him. Chris, he was my first subscriber. Um, Carl was here after we got big, but whatever. He's just friends with the boys. And it is a lot of my closer friends, even like my YouTube friends, I, I knew before I was big. So maybe there is some merit to that. Maybe it is, I, I don't know. I've never really put too much thought into it. Maybe there's a reason I hang around a lot of these people I knew before I got big because it's much easier. And they help yeah. you keep like a, your radar sharp of...
0: Who can and can't be trusted because you know you can trust them. Yeah, and it's difficult when you become richer and richer and more powerful.
1: Well, one thing you'll also find when you get rich, not even richer, but more fame. One thing I thought is as I climbed this like ladder of YouTube and got bigger, I thought there would be tons of people like me. People, how do like, that takes, like, the kamikaze approach to building a business. Yeah. You just throw all your money in it. You throw all your time. Yes. You throw all your energy. You throw yeah. everything. Yeah. You're just like, fuck it. This, yeah. It's this or I'm dead. Yeah. And I thought there would be hundreds of me. Yeah. And, and there isn't. There isn't. I mean, there's, like, maybe one or two. And I talk to those motherfuckers every single day. I'm sick and tired of talking to them, but I love them. Um, but it's just so interesting because, like, every level I got up, like, I'd get a million subscribers. I'd be like, all right, where's all these guys with the million subscribers that are fucking psychopaths? And then, you don't you know yeah, like, pe-
0: people become con- uh, like conservative as they get like they get more especially
1: c- as they get bigger yeah and you know 20 million subscribers 30 it's like every step of the way it's like i just got more and more lonely to be honest so <laughs> you you know it, it sounds cliche and you hear that kind of shit in movies and you're like oh that's not how it works but it is like there's there's just not many people that just want to give up everything go all in and obsess over making the greatest goddamn videos every single day of their life like they're really hard to find
0: and be able to sacrifice everything for that video. Yeah. Like basically uh, you put all the money right back in.
1: Yeah, or the people doing it, they're on just a small scale. And if I talk to them, it's just 99.9% of the time I'm teaching them things and it's like.
0: So it's lonely because there's not too many people, especially in the creative space that are as crazy as you.
1: Yeah, it is 100%. It's, it's so, it's not what I, I was expecting. I was expecting there'd be a lot of people like me, but
0: well uh, i guess the guy we talked to elon musk is a bit like
1: you in that sense yeah just a in a different, different domain yeah. yeah exactly just
0: willingness to put it all back in right and that's
1: why i found right now a lot of the people i relate to don't even make youtube videos like they <laughs> just like i i'm veering more and more away from fellow content creators and more to just you know i'm just looking for those other people who just share a little bit of it so i don't feel so fucking crazy all the time <laughs> like you know what i mean um, and like people I feel normal around and they tend to just be doing the randomest things yeah. but you know loving it
0: well I think that's really inspiring it's uh, it's like the Bukowski line find what you love and let it kill you Is really put everything put everything into the thing you love and that, that's like the way to really create special stuff but it's also the way to yeah like, live but the out thing your is, life you most have to like. be
1: careful giving this advice because they're like <laughs> they're like bodybuilders who'll be like Just go to the gym, be disciplined. I'm disciplined, go to the gym. But I would argue for those people, it's like, it's not even discipline. They just enjoy weightlifting, right? Because there are people who are jacked, but they don't make much money or run a business, right? If they're that disciplined, they would they would be hitting every area of their life. They just really like business. And then there's people like me who just, to an extreme level, love building companies, right? It's not even discipline for me, it's just in my blood. It's what I wake up, I don't think about it, I don't push myself, I don't need to watch a fucking motivational video to go yeah. work. I just do it, it's programmed in me at this point. And I, I couldn't imagine a world where I don't wake up and do it every day. Um, But I think that a little bit of it is genetics um, and just how you're hardwired. Uh, not that it can't be trained or taught and not that, you know, and obviously the friend group you're in influences these things and over time I think can change it. But someone's just not gonna be able to flip a switch and then just start doing a kamikaze approach to building a business. Just like a lot of people try to flip a switch and start bodybuilding and then quit majority of the time. You know, it's uh, just not innate to them.
0: But I think a lot of us have the capacity to do that in some domain.
1: Yeah, I think if you went about it strategically, if you surrounded yourself with fellow like-minded people and, you know, slowly over time switched it, uh, but if you just try to like hardcore do it, you're just going to lose your mind.
0: Do you ever worry about your mental health? Did well, you course. take a step to protect it? To, uh, yeah, to like for the long run to make sure you have the mental strength to go on. Yes.
1: Weirdly enough, the best thing for my mental health was giving into my innate nature to work. And it, it, the most depressed I get is when I try to restrict it and like I don't work weekends or I don't work this day. What's best for me is just to work when I feel like working mm-hmm. and then just not work when I don't like and just have no constraints because there are just some nights where I don't want to sleep and for whatever reason I feel compelled to go all night whatever like just do it you know do whatever you want is what I tell my like working brain um and I just give into it And I feel that's where I feel the happiest and and then um uh, you know it's typically like and when I'm really in the grind mode it'll be like seven or eight days just non-stop going going and then it's like I'll I'll realize like oh I need some recharge time, and then go fucking binge a season of anime. Yeah, it, but <laughs> and
0: listen to your, But and that's your, the thing; like, people
1: will tell you, "Don't work weekends," or "Don't yeah. do this," or "Don't work past this," or blah blah. Give you all these constraints, but for me, and it's unconventional. I just give into it.
0: I think there's something really to be said for that. I, I I try to surround myself with people that, like, when I don't when I pull an all nighter, they don't go like, "You should get more sleep." There's a reason I pulled that all nighter. Like, if I'm yeah. really passionate about something, they say they basically encourage it. Because yeah. I, I, I have no problem getting sleep and getting rest. Um, what I need in my life is people that encourage you to kind of keep going. Keep going with exactly. the th- stuff you're passionate about.
1: Normal people, they don't want that life. And they probably shouldn't. It's not yeah. good for you. Um, but yeah, is if you hang around people, like just whatever, different people, you're going to feel crazy and it's going to wear on you. Whereas if you're around similar people, <laughs> it just it's so much easier. Like if you you know, um, I've started weightlifting more. And like one thing that's helped is just having Jack people around because they naturally just eat <laughs> yeah. healthier. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Like they naturally just have freaking grilled chicken and yeah. all this shit and high protein meals. And it's just like easier for me to just piggyback and be like, oh, can you just order me whatever you're getting? Uh, and they're like, oh, I got to go to the gym. And I'll be like, oh shit, I'll just join you, you know? And it's like, it's just, it's cheat codes, you know what I mean? Just surround yourself with people that you want to be. And it makes it like 70% easier, in my opinion. It's like, that is the cheat code to life. Um, and I wish I, I obviously your audience is definitely a lot older but you know to the older people listening like if you are in a place of mentorship for someone younger or have influence over younger people you should really try to drill that in their heads like the people they are around 100% dictates the outcome I, w- yeah. I would not be on 120 million subscribers if I didn't find uh when I was around a million I had a couple of friends that were just also psychopaths you know I outgrew them but at the time it was great and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for them um, and just all along the way, the friends that I hung out with had such a dramatic impact on, on where I am. Like, I, I'd probably have 80 million less subscribers, you know, if it was if I wasn't so strategic about hanging out with people that I add value to and they also add value to me.
0: So the advice for young people would be to be very selective about the people you saw with. So
1: selective. It's it's crazy. Like, Chris, you know, he's... I. He's really funny, and that's why he's great for the videos. And part of why he's so funny is he consumes copious amounts of cartoons and just funny content. And so I'll find, like, when I spend more time with Chris, I'll start just quoting these weird cartoons or shows, and like my speech will literally change just after like a week of spending more time with him. It has like it's like that quick of an effect, you know. Now picture that over the course of years. I mean, yeah, it has such a huge influence. Like, pluck one of their friends out and hypothetically put me in there, and. Yeah, uh, you know, there's no doubt if they're trying to become a content creator, their odds of success just 10x, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously you can't do that, but you gotta find your, your closest version of it.
0: And just be selective. Yeah. But this also applies not just to see younger to older people too.
1: Agree. But they get, it's it's even more I like when I was a teenager, I just you know, I couldn't relate to many people and I just thought it was like a yeah. fucking freak of nature because no one was obsessed with building businesses or any of this kind of stuff. And so like back then. You know, that advice would have been helpful. Maybe not yeah, that particularly, sure. but just knowing that there are you know it's not that you're a freak of nature, you just haven't found people that have yeah. the same interests. So the yeah.
0: task is not to feel sorry for yourself or somehow change yourself, it's more to find the people. Find people, people that... you fit in with. Yeah. I mean yeah.
1: <laughs> assuming which you know, you you're, you're not getting confirmant uh like assume it's not something bad, right? <laughs> right? Like if you're hobbyist shooting things, <laughs> you yeah. know, or shooting things you shouldn't be shooting, you know, yeah. don't find people that encourage that. But <laughs>
0: but outside of that for sure uh, actually as an answer to what is the best advice someone ever gave you you said you're crazy until you're successful then you're a genius
1: 100% all along the way people gave me so much you know advice on why I shouldn't be doing it why I'm crazy every step of the way people wanted to tell me why I shouldn't be doing this and should get alive should stop being too obsessed everything everything under the book Um, and then once I'm successful those same people are like dang you're you're a genius! Yeah. Wow, you, you really you, you pulled that off.
0: Those are probably the same people that will give you advice. Now you're the most successful video creator of all time. Stick to that. Anytime you want to do something new, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, they'll they'll like pressure you not to do, um, you know, Feastables or or mobile gaming or whatever lays beyond. Yeah, it's it's funny how people don't.
1: Well, I, honestly, they're the type of people I just don't talk to anymore. Yeah, so, sure. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't even know what they have to say now.
0: So mo- uh, most people on the team are like, "Yes, and." They're like, "Whatever the idea you got, they they're with it."
1: No, Let's I go. mean it's weird. We actually have a my team pushes back on me pretty hardcore. Oh, they do. <laughs> uh, which I want. I don't want yes men, and yeah. they're they're like uh, they're <laughs> James, you know, the CEO who helped me build all this. Um, He's very adamant, like we're not yes men. And, and he trains people to really think for themselves. And even when I give them orders to like, really think like, is this optimal? Is there context or information Jimmy could be missing that I could provide that could help him make a more updated decision? Like I'm not um, God, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm human and I make errors. And so don't take what I say as the Bible.
0: So even like in the brainstorming and so on, they they can they can push back. Yeah, like you can a, see it.
1: Like Tyler, yeah. anytime I said something, he would give yeah. me feedback and push back, which is what I want. I don't want him just to be like, yes, you're a fucking genius. Good <laughs> job, Jimmy. You know, I don't need that. You know, I need negatives.
0: Uh, you talked about being in a relationship. What role, Jimmy, does love play in the human condition?
1: I think, well, role is love. The big thing is it's, it, love can be scary because this is, you know, the human you're going to spend the most amount of time with in your life, you know? And so for a project that over 50 years, they can be a liability or an asset. <laughs> I love the metrics. You know, I love- I No, love but seriously, metrics. it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. gotta be someone that makes you better. For me, I yeah. can't truly love someone that ma- doesn't make me better because- Yeah, in the long run. Yeah. Across, across the Because years. if not, then it's like, it's a negative, you know, to yeah. everything I've spent my life building. Yeah. Um, But luckily, I'm very happy with the the partner I have, In like we were talking about before, I do think she makes me better. There's a lot of actually positives I've noticed. Even things as simple as like, you know, I struggle to turn off my brain at night because I'm just thinking about all the businesses and how we could do better or, or whatever weird thing I have on my mind. But, you know, just chatting with her and, and hanging out with her helps me, like, basically just shut my brain off and, like, mellow out. And even, like, there's just a ton of little things like that that I've noticed are, are positives, especially when you really look for them, that are easy to gloss over if you're not. Um And so... For me, yeah, I, I have someone who I think is very beautiful, very intelligent, makes me better, is constantly pushing me, okay with me working hard, makes me smarter, and just all these different things that I think, for me, love just makes me a better person. You know what I mean? Which makes me love her even more. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. What advice would you give on uh, finding somebody like that?
1: <laughs> um, just really, <laughs> don't give up until you you find someone that, you know, there's so many people on the planet, I mean, there really is there there's billions of
0: the odds are in your favor
1: of yeah, like just don't settle and find someone that you know makes you happy
0: yeah, just like you said, surround yourself with people that uh, make you a better person in the same case, surround yourself with that one special person that really makes yeah. you a better person.
1: And, and, for, and maybe that's just an entrepreneurial brain looking at it. I mean, not everyone wants to hyper optimize their life like me, but for me to like truly love someone, they have to make me a better person.
0: In every way, yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you hope you're 24? We talk, we started talking about death. Let's, let's, let's finish talking about death. What do you hope your legacy is when you, When we look 100 years from now and the the AI has completely taken over and the aliens visit and discuss with the AI what this last of special humans that existed on Earth was like, what what do you hope they say about you?
1: Um, It's a deep one. Uh, Probably just that... Because it's it's hard, right? Like I said before, Elon is over double my age. I could live every second I've lived up to this point in my life and still not even be Elon's age. So I have so much time. I just hope whatever it is that it's a net positive on the world and it impacts billions of people in a positive way that makes lasting change.
0: So you admire people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk for having sort of reached for that goal as well.
1: Yeah. Of course. To help
0: to help millions.
1: I mean, the iPhone's the most successful product ever invented. It's it's hard not to admire what he created. You know what I mean? Um and
0: the same with sort of as Johnny Ive talks about, like the the passion, the effort they put into the designing the iPhone, that like little bit of love is transferred to the whole world. Like they get to exactly. experience the joy of that from the designer.
1: It's what a beautiful thing to do. You know what I mean? I couldn't think of anything better, you know, to create something that even after you're dead for decades, just has such a profound impact on basically half the human population. Yeah. It's wild.
0: Brings joy to people. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you do just that, man. You've already done it for millions and millions and millions and millions of people. And I hope you keep doing it. I'm ex I can't like it's so exciting to see what happens this year and next year.
1: I know. Like the I'm sky's excited the too. limit.
0: Yeah. I I can't. I mean, um, uh, the videos, but every, all the other businesses you're in, and you as a human being, as you grow, you, I can tell, I know, as everyone knows, you have a kind heart, and the fact that you're really damn good at
1: uh, actually using that kind heart to help a lot of people. is Thank awesome you. to see, man. I appreciate yeah. it. More importantly, before we go, yeah. are we gonna play Dune tonight? Some board games? I'm not games? gonna play Dune. I have to, I have you don't want, one hour. You don't wanna play board games with me?
0: I wanna, I'll play, I'll play. play board games? You don't wanna play board games? If, if only I wasn't an idiot and actually flew to the right airport. If uh, you don't play do, board
1: games with me, they're going to dislike the video. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this conversation with Mr. Beast. To support this podcast, please check out our sponsors in the description. And now let me leave you with some words from the poet and philosopher, Rabindranath Tagore. Reach high, for stars lie hidden in you.